welcome to the Hawk's Nest live stream show. My name is Brandon Kane, coming at you today on the heels of the Seahawks' loss and what may prove to be potentially, sadly, the loss that puts us to the end of the 2023 season. The Hawks are technically still in it mathematically as we stand, but we're going to need some help now, and you're going to need some help coming down into the final week of the season, which is never good. Seattle Seahawks fell in a manner today that is one that it feels familiar. Undisciplined football, a defense that doesn't have really many answers throughout the course of the day, nor many adjustments to be applied. Tackling, remaining another big issue, feeling like at times the offense can sort of do whatever they wish. But uh, certainly didn't quite feel necessarily like a team that was hungering for the playoff hunt hungering to get in. Uh, there were some out there playing solid and strong and doing their best. And I'm not trying to question anybody's heart or motivation or any of that stuff. But uh, boy, when you have an offense that just runs it down your throat, bully ball style like they did today, it wasn't fancy. It wasn't full of misdirection like the 49ers rushing attack. It wasn't going every which way but loose. But yet it uh, took you down and took you down uh, soundly without much real fight back from the defense, especially in this game. They only caused one punt, no turnovers, one sack, two quarterback hits. As I say about this defense on kind of a weekly basis, there's little delay your hat on. I'm going to present to the chat today a question because I would like to kind of see where the Hawk contingent may find themselves on this one. I have a general idea of, I think, where this poll is going to go, but it's one where I'm I'm also watching these not just to present a poll for entertainment purposes to you guys, but also to try to get a little bit of a pulse here with the fan base on this one. Um, and it's one where we, how confident are we in Coach Carroll right now to go forward? If this is indeed the end of the season as it would appear to be at this point, again, not out of it. I'm not trying to say I'm giving up on the season or giving up. I, I said I will give the full year of Coach Carroll at this point. I will say this. He's making it hard on me to give him that full two years. He's testing that patience on that time I was going to try to give him in full because the stuff I'm seeing is just woeful, to put it lightly. This defense has not been a good defense for many years. It's not taking steps forward. It's not been an improvement on what we saw from them last year. The old issues continue to raise their ugly heads, including the one we saw this week that we'd seen this one going back for about five years. Backup quarterbacks, third, third stringers, having good opportunities to be able to make some hay against this defense. And I don't believe that that's by coincidence or happenstance. I think it's purposeful. And I think there's a lot of real reasons that lie within why you see this happening to a Coach Carroll defense. And it's almost a canary in the coal mine of the, the if you see a backup quarterback doing this to this defense, one that is where it's at and should be so much better. None of us said this should be a top five defense coming into it. None of us said this should be a top 10 defense coming into the season. But we did say, hey, should be around middle of the road with the talent that you're bringing back to play. And while the Achenin injury hurts and the Jamal injury and his inability to refine his healthy footing stings, it's still not enough to account for a defense that finds itself once again another year at the back end of the bunch in pretty much any statistical category that you want to use as a metric. Points allowed, yards allowed. They're good at getting sacks, but some of their getting the sacks is the inefficiency that you have at play, right? Because when you have so many drives that last for such long periods of time, that's going to create extra plays over the course of a game, over the course of the season. 
that will theoretically create more of those instances for more sacks, even when you're not getting a lot of sacks, really. Well, you're getting a lot of sacks, but it's, it's not coming necessarily in the efficient fashion to make that happen. I don't know if that, that sort of adds up. You know, you have a good defense that plays 700 snaps. Those pass rushers have to make their hand that 700 snaps. You got a bad defense that ends up playing, and I know it's way more snaps than this. I'm just trying to put the perspective on it. Well over 1,000 snaps, and you've had well over two, 300 more pass rush attempts to get that sack bite then uh, it's not necessarily indicative. It can be, but it's not necessarily indicative then that your pass rush is just being so uh, efficient and effective. Uh, but I, this is going to be really a show that uh, I know as we find ourselves on the precipice of New Year's and after a tough loss like this, we may not have a huge turnout here tonight. So we may not be going on a late show tonight, but it's going to be one that I'm going to be as much just kind of wanting to see where my fellow 12s head as at um, as anything else. I think you guys know pretty well at this point with me talking about this over weeks and weeks and years and years. You guys know where I really stand, and uh, I'm finding more and more folks reaching into the point of going, I'm, I'm, I'm finding that lack of faith in Carroll as I stand right now. He still does have his share of backers, and that's why I wanted to run this polls to see if this is you know, merely just uh, a, a loud but more smaller contingent of folks that are sort of in that fed up zone, or if it's in more of a place that you do feel it in, in more of, I would, I would say, the majority of the vans and how they're feeling. And I think it is... Um, apparent in my discussions and doing this show multiple times a week uh, and having so many interactions with my fellow 12s across the board, you know, and just that it does feel like there's as much as any time ever, and it's going to be hotter than ever on the heels of this loss. There's more and more 12s out there going, hey, I'm, I, I just can't, I, I've been backing you, coach. I've been with you for years, coach. I've excused you for years. This is just getting to a place where I got no refuge, no place to, to hang. Like I said, you got no, nothing to hang your hat on with this defense. And so I've got nothing from, as a backer, I can go to to say, well, you do this. Uh, I've got to start to reach to terms like, well, you create a culture. Well, it's, it, well you, you, you got a groovy atmosphere in your locker room. Well, I, we start reaching to those things because we can't reach to the things that actually are the, the tangible things that help you, you know, win football games, you know? Um, leaning away from the simplistic, leaning into more of the disguising, trying to attempt to make things harder and find advantages for your players rather than just lining it up and they go where they go and what happens, happens. But uh, again, I don't want to go too far off on the opening part of this. I'd love to see where you guys are really at on this. I've already gone seven minutes in here. Um, but I'd like to see where my fellow 12s are at with this. Um, I will say this, as I said, I was going to give Coach Carroll two full solid years. I said that two years ago. I'll, I'll, I'll put a bit of a reset here. Understand when I say that, that was at a time when you moved Russ and I was not in a particularly happy state with what Carroll had done up into that point. How they had developed players, the stagnation of his scheme. I was kind of at the wit's end at that point. I was kind of at the spot of going, man, this is, I've seen enough of this over and 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 over. I don't need to see any more of it. But then I was like, okay, but maybe big part of this was trying to facilitate Wilson ball and Wilson taking up the, the cap as he was taken up and your acknowledgement at that time that you got to change some things. But that just reset it for me for two years to come back in this in two years and go, okay, coach, where are we at? Let me look at these last two years. What have you done? Have you fit to your words? Have you changed? Has you updated? Have you started to correct old ills? For me, the answer right now stands is pretty solidly. No, they haven't. And that's going to make it very hard to find a lot of confidence in Coach Carroll to believe that he's going to take this team to a contending state in the future. And maybe I'm wrong on this one, but I didn't come here lightly. 
And I've tried to give this a lot of years with him on, on going, okay, man, bring me back the fold on this one. Make me a believer. But let's see where you guys are at. Appreciate you guys watching. Thank you to everyone that uh, watched earlier on and hit the like button and donated up as you guys did. Had a great turnout for the uh, stream um, earlier on today during the play-by-play. -play. I'll be doing tomorrow as well the uh, Husky game at the um, 5.30. We'll be doing live play-by-play -play here. So if you want to tune in for a little bit of bonus Hawks Nest coverage here, we'll be doing the live play-by-play -play of the Sugar Bowl. Maybe we can get a little bit of a, a plus for the uh, Pacific Northwesterners at that point on a nice little win at that point. And give, keep things interesting, at least over on that side of things. <clears throat> Uh, a, uh, AI in the house start us off says 500 yards of offense given up with the third string quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going through this and looking back just before the show at the, the variety of games through the years that you've lost to backup quarterbacks who've had their way, you know, Colt McCoy beating you in back to back years, a Marcus Mariota type with the Falcons coming into your house last year and, and beating you, um, D Dalton beating you in New Orleans last year with Taysom Hill would also be a backup, so two backups, and then Dalton coming very close again this year to beating you. And um, just when you look at it, how many have their way? And like I say, there's a little bit of a story there within that. There's something, there's something more than this. this isn't just happening by sort of luck. These backups are having their success. There's a tangible reason, if you look at it, as to why they're able to go out against Coach Carroll defenses, regardless of personnel. Let's take it over a six-year stretch. And a lot of times have their way where you would often think the backup quarterback coming in there would be the guy to struggle. He'd be the guy to come in there and, and be a little bit like, well, there's a reason I'm not a starter. But you just don't ever find yourself really saying that with Coach Carroll defenses recently. DBN says, uh, Pete's got to go. Got to go, he says. Drunk says, fire Pete, our defensive coordinator, clean house, keep, out, keep our superstars, end of story is where I would be leaning towards in the direction that if this season ended today, if this was the final loss of the season, that's where I'm going to be standing. And I'm not really going to make many apologies for it because I didn't come here quickly and lightly. And people can throw out accusations of such, but it's always the question I come back to is, at, at what point in time am I allowed to start getting supremely frustrated, if not now? You know, do I have to wait five more years? And it's sometimes even the conversation will wield itself around to, well, Coach Carroll's done so much here. He's done so he's brought so much good winning football and, and established winning culture, culture. It's like the culture, culture, culture. He's got the culture. And he got that Super Bowl, so he gets to write his check, man. He gets to write his way out the door when he sees fit. He's earned that right. That's where that you'll lose me on that kind of conversation with that. I can't sign up for that. You know, I don't think any coach anywhere should be able to just write their own check. Yeah. Even to think we still have to suffer through two more seasons of Pete coaching, man, it's aggravating. It's going to, it's going to get tough. It's not going to be easy. Say that if I go to, you know, as I, I'm not seeing a lot again, I, I was here and open to being optimistic about the future where this team's going, but I don't do the blind optimism thing. As I always say on this channel, I am a fan of this Chan, a fan of this uh, football team, <laughs> fan of this Chan. A uh, fan of this football team, but I'm not going to sit here and just blindly wave pom-poms if things are in poor shape or eroding shape, as it would appear right now. Standard champion, we can build around young guys. Build what? More of this crap? Laughing out loud. I wanted nothing more than Pete to figure it out, but I just have zero faith it happens. I mean, you put it the way that I, I also stand with this. I wanted to see Pete capture this. I wanted to see Pete reclaim this. 
And I, and I thought he could find this final great chapter to his book by making these adjustments that had long been needed to be made. But the, the, the absolute marrying of himself to the old scheme and keeping it in, a, in, in this rigid state brings you to a place where he's not going to, to make those necessary turns of the screw, pulls of the lever. And if that's not going to happen, as you say, zero faith. How, how can there be faith? I mean, that's where I need a Coach Carroll believer to sell me. I need you to bring me back in the fold in that way. It's not been working in, let's go, last seven years. You got one playoff win in seven years. No one would say that that's a, a recent age of going out there and winning. Um, so how do you get me to the place of, and, and, and not just in, well, you know, don't talk about culture. How do, we, how do we solve this rudimentary, simplistic approach, both offense and defensively, especially defensively? That's when you don't have a coach who will be even willing to adjust to what might be need to be called upon to go to. He won't even come to the line and cross the line of adjustment, much less finding the right adjustment. Holy hand grenade. It's bad, y'all. Brendan is wearing his, the paper bag. Oh, he's got out the paper bag. <laughs> it's, getting, it's getting dark in the Hawk fandom, man. What can I say? Uh, it was, it was going to happen. <clears throat> William says, who's Pete going to scapegoat this time? I, I, I've said as well on this, this is, if you're talking about an, an aging, be it head coach or almost in any endeavor, an aging guy in a spot that's, you know, seeing signs that maybe, you know, they're not at the forefront anymore in whatever they're doing. I, I don't know what more further sign Pete needs than what he's seen the past few years. He's gotten so many times, every single season gets to a place of complete, flummoxness, I'm going to use that word, I'm creating that word, in, in his outlook of the, of the team and trying to make sense of what he's seeing and what he thinks of them. And uh, we're out of answers. We tried everything. I don't know. I've been saying the same thing. We've been teaching it. We've been trying it. We've been teaching and trying it. Trying and teaching, trying and teaching. They didn't, he said it today in the press conference. They didn't throw anything at us in the ground game that we weren't expecting. We knew what was coming. Couldn't stop it. Drunk says, I'll always love Pete, but his scheme is not best. It's better to retire now instead of getting fired. I would agree with that as well. I don't think the team would ever get to a point of officially announcing it as a firing, even if they were firing him. I think that he would, they would just say, you know, Pete, unless Pete was just wanting to make it known that it was a firing and making it more public in that, which I don't think he would with that. But um, like I say, I think that there's a lot of signs here for Pete. I'm hoping maybe there's some people in this chat today that can convince me over to the side of it. I'm, I'm open to always having my mind changed on items. And I give this a lot of thought when it comes to Pete and looking at this scheme and watching the All-22 and cutting up that tape and diving into that tape. And you do a lot of stuff times you're sitting there watching this tape and, you know, me in the middle of the night cutting away on it. And I'm just sitting here shaking my head on some of the stuff that I see, you know, where you're just like, man, you, you couldn't have made it easier. You couldn't have made it easier. Joe Z says, horrible tackling. How about go for the legs one time? That's supposed to be the hawk tackling technique, Joe, to your point, which is you attack the near thigh, uh, grab that thigh, wrap, roll. Not a lot of what we're seeing this year, though, where they try to get up around the, up here or up around the torso area, and then they're sliding off. 
Josie says, I'd give this group coaches quarterback one more year. Fair enough. I'll be interested to see Joe on that poll, how that, how that works out. Uh, if, if there are a lot of folks with you on that line of thought. Russell says, they quit and I don't blame them when we're running a scheme that will never work. If we had ownership who actually gave a damn, they would see how much of a problem players quitting on the coach is. You do wonder in a game like this, where you have a team playing for something, playing at home for something, it, it, I never like to question any guy's attitude, desire on the field or want or will or any of that. I'd like to think these guys give that, whether it appears or not appears to be the case. But there's been some legit times this year and watching these guys on the field where I'm like, man, is everybody tapping, that, tapping in that all-in sign at the top? You know? Is everybody up there tapping that in, truly tapping in with their spirit on this one? Thomas uh, says, after what Carol said at the press conference, it's time. This team has no identity. Hoop uh, dog, yep, same problem for five years now, no matter who the players are. There we go. Austin, can someone tell me who we want to win the Packs or the Vikings? I think we want the pack, the, the Vikings to win, technically. Keldon, I remember Hawks being sure they would win the division after they won the preseason championship. Well, it's a, it's a big championship, man. Yeah. Be fair, it's, you know, it's a nice belt. You know, it says world champion on the belt. It's got a, you know, that's worth something. Uh, we just need a tie tonight, right? Isn't that what we need? Cliffick, uh, earlier when you posted why we need to fire, ho- earlier when you posted in the Bleacher, uh, I can't believe that some Hawk fans want to keep them still in the comment section. Uh, I, I, that's where it's, and, and here's where the, that's always the place we come to Cliffix on this channel at times where I, I truly try to make sure I keep this at the forefront of it because it can seems like I know when you get a person, person in my position or in anything where they're talking about their perspective and they've got this very big microphone to push their thoughts and, and, you know, I want everybody thinking the way I, I think, um, on this one, it's not that I'm, I, I'm certainly going to sell you guys on my thinking, make no mistake about it. I'm going to try to get more people on board with me because I've, I, I've not, like I said, arrived here lightly. With that said, if there are the fans out there that have that perspective you can give me, and you can give me some meat. Don't give me a bone to chew on like an old dog out there in the junkyard, you know, who's got dust and dirt all around his eyes, gray everywhere. You're going to throw me just the bone that's got no meat on it. You got to give me just a little bit of bone on that meat, okay? got to give me just a little bit of bone on that meat. And what I mean by that is that you got to give me something actual, tangibly I can pull forward to go from. Because if you're just going to go, well, he creates a great culture. He creates a place where players feel real happy. I don't know if that's necessarily equivalent in this modern age to wins and losses. It's maybe, it's probably a good thing. Players wanting to come back is probably a good thing. But I, I need a little more than that. That's more bone than that is meat. And meat is to say that Carroll's going to have his wake-up call this offseason. He's got to dump this scheme in mass. No more. No partial. No hybridization. Got to buy into Waldron and letting him do whatever he needs to do full. Have the offense really turn towards the Rams' offense. But then even if you said that, you'd go, well, but what do you have to back that off that he's willing to do that? And we don't have any backing that he's willing to do that. But Clifford, I'm going to listen to him. If there are folks out there that believe this, I'm, I'm going to give you a true ear. I'm not going to condemn you for thinking how you think. If you want to go back another year, I'm, I'm open to that. 
Um, like I say, though, if you don't have necessarily something to throw at me that you can back it, that I can go to tangibly to you and I can go, okay, soft zone defense, sell me, you know, how does this soft zone defense start to work next year when it's not worked? Someone else is saying there in the chat over a variety of different years, over a variety of different defensive coordinators, over a variety of different players who've come through. How does it magically just start to work next year? Well, it just, it just will. Well, that's a little bit of the thinking that Carol's applying here, isn't it? Not really adjusting. It's just magically going to start to work. Uh, Thomas says, Carol, let's put this team at a ceiling. Honestly, it don't matter who Seattle selects in the next draft. It won't change a terrible scheme, bad hires, and now a lack of motivation. Beautifully put, Thomas. And I, I would agree with everything you just said. Levick says, I get it that he's iconic in our Seahawks history, but we need to move on. Again, I, it's that icon. He is an icon here. He's a legendary coach. He will be beloved here forever for getting us our first Super Bowl, for getting us to two Super Bowls. But that can't be just like, that's another one of those, that, that can't be just that only reason, right? You need more. Uh, Drunk says, we need a time, but since that's not going to happen, I would rather have the Packers win since they play the Bears. As Drunk says, he's probably got the good point on this. The Lions are probably going to rest their starters against the Vikings. So the Vikings might be able to just moonwalk their way to that win against the Lions, if that's the case. Whereas the Bears might actually give the Packers a bit of a fight. Boy, do I hate being in this we-need-help spot. Greg says the team has identity, but not the one Pete wants. It's true. I guess that is true. We've been saying all year they don't have an identity. Oh, you got an identity. But it ain't a good one. They're the village bicycle man. Everyone's had a ride. Uh, Kevin says, I'm rooting for the Lions. If uh, rooting for the Lions, do we see change? We need Dan Campbell energy. I like that Dan Campbell. How about ballsy Dan Campbell last night? I am going for two, damn it. Hell or high water. I think that was a case of him making that decision, not just for being ballsy and I'm going for it, but also like, I don't want to play a, a fifth, another fifth quarter. I don't want overtime on my players' backs. It's like a little bit of that was factoring in for Dan yesterday. Rand says, the thing is, the culture will never be replicated. Pete has fallen off, yes, but coaches like him are hard to find. We got our ring. Time to move on, sadly. Well said by everyone today so far. Russell says, we have a chance to help ourselves. We don't deserve help. That's right. Right. Could have climbed on the boat and we let it sail on past. Thomas says, I feel that regardless if Seattle makes a decision, Pete still needs to go. This team isn't a contender with Pete. I can't see how he turns this team into a contender. You know, maybe he's got a high floor for being the coach he is where he's going to get you five, six wins minimum on a year and maybe a couple more beyond that. But I don't think he can get you to a contending state at this point. Josie says, overachieved last year, underachieved this year. Well put. Tay says, I'm 19. I should not be dealing with this much anxiety. Shaking my head. That's not fun, man. I get it. It's, you're not getting the fun part of the fandom as a younger fan yet. We'll get to that turn at some point. I promise you, my man. Xander says, uh, Pete's been working towards consistent winning, quote unquote, trophies, while our division rivals have been playing for rings. Stark difference between the two, that's for sure. And you've certainly got two teams in this division that look very, very far ahead of you right now in a variety of different ways. Russell says, the more Pete coaches, the more I don't care about his past accomplishments. 
I get that as well. I'm, I get a bit of that feeling myself with this. Where it's, I do revere what you did, and it was amazing. But at the same point in time, we've had to watch some bad, some a lot of bad football sprinkled in with some good over the last couple of years. But the bad's been real bad when it's twisted that way. Rand says, I hate to say it, but Pete needs to go. Our most legendary coach might be outstaying his welcome. Larry says, Pete's fault when we lose, but Gino gets the credit when we win. Maybe dude should have played better than a backup quarterback. Yeah, that's a tough one, Larry, for me on this one. We're going to put this, this game on, on what, what you saw on that football field today was the, the, the quarterback should be the, the, the first thing, the second thing, third, fourth thing that we go to as far as, you know, the problems at play. I thought GM played pretty good. Didn't play perfect. The turnover hurt, but it's hard to see blindside rushers. When you look at it in that play, I believe Charles Cross has got chip help. As much go to Charles Cross as Gino on the play. Man, we gave you chip help, and you still you still couldn't get a pass block win on that, meaning keeping him under pressuring the quarterback in under two and a half seconds. Agnes's most legendary coach wasn't even this trash, Pete. <laughs> Thomas says the Legion of Boom would be embarrassed if this happened to them, but the lack of motivation when it's week 17. Yeah, no urgency on the football field you really felt, at least especially defensively to me. I just kind of felt like guys were out there just going through some, it almost not full go through the motions, but there were some shades of that. And it was wild because last week in Tennessee, you had some hitting, you had some, a little bit of live fire going. felt like guys were kind of more into it, just didn't feel that same level of engagement in this game. And you're going to stop the run. It's as much about want and will and desire and, you know, buy-in. I mean, it's, that's as much as anything, especially when it's not like the, the Niners attack that's all varied and goes every which way but loose. Instead, they were just going to come at you, hat on a hat, mano a mano. Can you stand up and, you know, you, you didn't match the Steelers' energy in that regard. Brandon uh, Lezowinski says, hello, just stopped in. Who am I supposed to cheer for this Packers-Vikings game? You know, the more we talk about it, the more it's unclear in that, Braden. Because technically speaking, you'd say the Vikings, but then that's also what the thought process of the Vikings play the Lions, and the Lions will play at full strength next week, which may not be the case. They don't have much to play for. So I... I you could almost make the argument as much Packers in this. I don't know. I think it's almost even even Steven on this. We're essentially just going to need one of these two teams to lose next week then. Did y'all see Brandon's video wearing a bag that said, Fire Pete Carroll. <laughs> Brandon going hard tonight. I love it. ADL says, Pete must be fired. To get to the peak of coaching, one must have an unending belief in themselves and their ability to coach and turn things around. He will not be able to quit. He must be fired. I certainly have hard, always had a hard time of seeing him as, even if I thought it was the thing he should be doing, of being the guy that could recognize, you know, okay, the game's passing by. You'd always be the guy that could see the optimistic turn just coming up ahead around the curve. And uh, I don't know, it looks like a lot of straight road down this highway into the near future at this current pace. Matt says, Reek needs to play in only obvious passing downs. He's a liability in the run game. Certainly has had his share of issues this year in that respect, Matt. And uh, I think you're probably right. That's probably the best way to learn to get him tackling a little bit better. Cliffix says, we, choose for, we cheer for both of them to lose next week. There we go. Uh, Green Bean 44. What's funny is, 
Fans think Pete is holding them back and the record will be better. Um, no, when Pete goes, we will be tanking like we should be for some top draft picks. There we go. Thomas says, I'm sad. I'm not angry. I'm just indifferent. I want to be excited, not tired and happy. The season is almost over. It's been an exhausting season. I got to give you that too, Thomas. And doing this for years on it, I've had a great time with the chat on it, but the, the football games and the discussions around this team and watching this team play out this year has been a little bit of a, of a, tougher, of a tougher watch. And it hasn't been without some ups and hasn't been without some excitement, but boy, the overriding part is a little bit in the way you describe it for me too. Um, want to be excited as well. Want to be hopeful for the upcoming future, but it, it, it feels like a little bit of the wind's been taken out of her sails here this season. A little bit. Just bait. Christian says, six years, bad defense for a supposed defensive coach. Same 49ers game plan, get, get past the linebackers, and they know the safeties and corners aren't willing tacklers. Yeah. Same game plan. That's a, not another, another common thing we can probably say. Will Invader says, Pete gave us too much to be fired. He needs to retire, if anything. I, that's the way, I, I think even if they were at the place of firing Invader, I think they would say, look, we're just going to announce this as a retirement. Um, you're being brought as a consultant back in and you want to, you know, I don't think that they're going to go to the true blue of firing him. Um, but uh, who knows? It's a hard read on that, that part of the situation for sure. Uh, Poot Dog says, oh, so are the assistant able, are the assistant coaches not able to get the players to tackle better? My contention on tackling is this, and there are some teams, I guess, that are better at attacking this than others. And so, Maybe they're having some sort of magical technique they're coming up with. I call it magical because the past two CBA negotiations between the players and the owners have seen the players really put at the head of their, at the head of their want list is less practice time, less padded practices. And so what you have with tackling is the only way to work on tackling is padded practices, is hitting. And when you limit those down to the bare minimum level they're at, it's very hard to, to then train and teach it because you can't go as hard as you need to go to get it across. So as I said, some teams have this in a better spot than others. We're one of the worst ones at it. To me, it comes down to sort of players' willingness. How, how much are you willing to go and work on this on your own in the way you need to work on this to get good at it? You know, because if you just do some finesse kind of drills for something that's going to require physicality and you put your hat in there, that's not going to be good enough. So uh, there's probably some techniques, but boy, I don't know. It's for me, I, I'm always at a, a loss when how they teach it, when you can't let them get in there and get darty with it. Dealer fans showed up. Yeah. Another, another not a great sign when you're seeing so much yellow in that stadium. I know Steeler fans travel well, but that's our house. Adrian X says, didn't we have a number seven back in the day? Ooh, yeah, number 17, Dave Craig. But not a number. I don't think we had a number, not, not another notable seven. I don't think we did, Adrian X. 
I might be wrong on that, but I can't remember us. I can't remember us having one. Jordan, thank you for the five. Oh, wait, let me go over here. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm a couple behind on the donos here. Let me catch back up here. First off, uh, Zyga, thank you for subscribing to the channel. I appreciate you for that. Sanchez, thank you for the $2 donations. As we fire Pete, he goes to the commanders and rushes the quarterback. <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious. No, I, 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 yeah, anything's possible, I guess. I do think that Pete's, this is his last job. I mean, he was talking about this being his last job seven, eight years ago, you know? Uh, so, it, I mean, that was when he was even a younger guy. So I just don't think he's going to want to pick his whole family up, go somewhere else, restart the whole process again, especially when it's gone kind of as badly as it has with some of his philosophies being bored into play. It's not like he can't say he hasn't gotten his players or being given the the assets by which to work with to find success here. I mean, you, you, you can get to a kind of a self-delusional level, I guess, at some point, but um, I suppose it's possible. I would be, I, I would be, my mind would be blown if I saw that Sanchez, legit blown. Jordan, thank you for the uh, $5 donation. It says, I think the bigger repercussions to keeping Pete is us losing players because they don't want to resign and players not wanting to come here. I think it's a valid, uh, a valid concern at this point. If you as a coaching staff are not showing that you're maximizing the players you have on your roster, why would a player from the outside looking in want to then come to your roster? And uh, I think if I was a player looking at the Seahawks situation, I go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there to be a you know, defender. I'm playing in this defense that's going to make things easier for offenses and not make things easier for me as a defender. Is that the best? Is that the best thing for me? Kind of a spin, Jordan, on the uh, the old thing about well, Pete's here, and that's what makes players want to come here because of the culture he has and what he fosters. So this is you'll lose a little bit of that free agent open door that you have, but do you? In in what you in the question you raise with your donation, and I think that that's a it's a valid question. You know. It's a valid question. Thank you, Jordan. I fiver. I love the spin on that because it's always spun the other way. You know, it's always spun that. And you know, will he? This is such a destination location because Pete is here and his program. But but is that as much true in this modern day now? I think it's a fair question to ask. And I lie with you on that one, Carmelo King. Thank you for the five dollar donation. And uh, sorry, a little late on the donos here. It says uh, hi. Does our defense not want to play? We sign all these players. They don't do anything to help. Also, are we signing Herbert or Fields? <laughs> well, thank you, Carmelo, for the $5 donation. You bring up a very good question in regards to why do you go and get a Draymond Jones and he comes here and he seems to be less of a player than he was with Denver in any of the years that he was playing for Denver. Um, you know, why, why is that the case? Uh, why does it, um, why does it seem you bring these guys in and you just don't seem to maximize who they are and what they are? And I, that's where I do tend to go back Carmelo to the scheme itself. You force players in see the, the old thing where a coach, a good coach looks at a player he's got and he goes, I have my scheme here and my scheme does this. 
But I got a player here that does that. Now I can do two things. I can force the that player to do this, which isn't what he's good at. Or I can lean into the that player's good parts of his game. What we do is we take a player and we force them into what we are. And it doesn't matter whether you're on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball. We're going to force you into what we do and what we are. That's how you end up with Jimmy Graham as an inline tight end when he should have remained as more of a slot type wide receiver. And you didn't align him in the slot very often at all. You might put him in H-back positions at times, but you never put him hardly ever in the slot. And the same thing's been true with Jamal Adams on the flip side of the ball, where you don't always put him in the right positions for success when he's on the field and not injured. Because what are you doing, Carmelo? You're forcing those players round, round peg, square hole. Round peg, square hole. And there's nothing wrong with having a base scheme that you believe in and that you, know, that you want to run the way you want to run, but you have to have the personnel match that. And if you don't, then you got to lean into their strengths and what they do well. And that's part of that lack of adjustment, in my opinion, we've seen from this season where the leaning into that this year would have been to go to more man-based cover concepts, would have been to blitz more than Coach Carroll has tended to do in the past. But that's not been an adjustment that they've been really willing to pull on. They sort of flirt with it, you know? They pet it, tap it. Hey, how you doing? What's up? Huh? Huh? But they don't go in there and take the full squeeze. And uh, we need a full squeeze this year. We could have used a full squeeze. This defense could have used the coaches trying to push a few of those adjustments forward in a way that they're just unwilling to do so. Um, I don't think that there's really a, a functional way to get Herbert out from under the Chargers. There's going to be a coach that's going to sign for the Chargers almost explicitly because of the fact that Herbert is on that roster and they have their quarterback situation taken care of so they can concentrate on the rest of the aspects of the team and not get bogged down as so many coaches can have a tendency to do so if they don't have that in place. Fields is a little bit more of a possibility. He is a guy that I think the Bears are going to trade this offseason. I would imagine they probably get like second to third round pick potentially for him. I don't want to be the team to make that trade. He is getting through, you know, the back end of that rookie deal. You're going to have to pay him sooner than you're going to have to then later. Um, you don't have the pass protection in place in full, in my opinion, to, you know, accommodate that kind of deal right now. And I think there's just, there's a much better approach to just drafting the quarterback with that third round pick rather than taking him at this point. You know, the, the, especially when you think about the cheap club control years you'll have with that rookie quarterback that you do take. But Fields is nice. I just don't, I'm not interested in kind of making that kind of trade as there's, there's problems across the board that supersede just the quarterback position at this point. Thank you though, Carmelo. Uh, Jeffrey Thistle, thank you for the multiple donations today, being a member of the channel as well. Just to point this out, we were a 500 team before Pete and, we'll be, and we will be after because we're a well-run organization. We can have our pick of a next coach. Yeah, I believe that this is going to be a destination location for whoever the next coach comes in. You have a dedicated fan base. You have great facilities. Um, and I think you mentioned a great point that I often try to point to some of the people that are the pro Carroll people that when I'm trying to say, okay, give me that thing that has you supporting Carol and into the future and that he's the guy, you know, that they go back to and they say, well, he established the winning culture. And that's where I have to sometimes go. You know, 
you had won what four division titles in the 2000s with with coach carroll three or four i mean coach carroll i believe at the end of the day just has just about as many playoff wins in, in seattle or or maybe not as many but he's got got his share and he was three years removed from getting you to the Super Bowl, and you moved on from him. You didn't wait 10 years with Holmgren. You moved on. And it's, it is, as you say, Jeffrey, what established the winning culture with the Seattle Seahawks organization is not one player and is not one coach. This is, a, this is an incorrect form of thinking. This is a short-sighted form of thinking. It's as Jeffrey says, where winning was established in Seattle was when Paul Allen put down his money and bought this team, built the new stadium, built the new facilities out in Renton, turned this organization into one that was one of those laughingstock type organizations into one of the more pristinely run organizations in the entire NFL. That's your winning culture. His commitment to reach out to a coach like Mike Holmgren and say, price is no factor. We're going to get this done. Come out here to Seattle after you've gotten Green Bay to back-to-back Super Bowls. That's commitment. That's where, that's where true winning culture starts with is with the ownership. Go watch David Tepper with the Carolina Panthers as the owner throwing drinks on fans from his press box today and understand how that's not a microcosm of so many of the problems that run through that organization. Ownership is where it begins with. And, it, and, and while Carroll's been a cog within this winning point, it's really been, I would offer since you go back to 2000 onward, it's been a winning culture. And yeah, Mora had the one bad year and Holmgren had the one bad year there a little bit at the end. So you can go, well, then we became a losing culture in those two years. I'd go, okay, really? But yeah, we were, we, we had, a, we had, Alan was the guy that brought this thing where it was taken, where it's been taken to. But thank you, Jeffrey. Well said. Tezakaku, thank you for the $2.79 donation. What's our future for next season? Well, I can tell you what I would like to see as the future, and I can tell you what I think is likely to be the future, Tezukaku. Uh, I, I would like to see Coach Carroll retire and the team go out and find an offensive-minded head coach and uh, take that approach and start to maybe, you know, instead of having to push forward hard next year into let's go for it next year, let's, into let's get this thing back to the right shape of things. Let's get the, let's get the truly the foundation on point, let the right players in for the coaches uh, scheme the way he wants to run it. Cause I imagine you're going to get some changes there um, and go back to kind of the, go back to the basics a little bit with this. Uh, what I think is likely to happen is you're going to get coach Carroll coming back another year. Um, the team is going to make a couple of desperate moves because they're going to be pushed by coach Carroll's urgency of wanting to get this back to right. And you might end up just throwing the good money out with the bad. And, and the whole, you know, sunk cost fallacy starts coming into play. You know, well, we've dumped this much into the Carroll experience already. We got to keep dumping in because we want to get our returns back as opposed to just thinking, man, we're just dumping something in that's just going to be an endless hole and it's just going to drop down into the drain and be gone. Um, so I, I, unfortunately, I'm not trying to be too pessimistic here, Tezukaku, but I think it's more of the latter if I had to be a betting man. I think Carroll's an optimist. I think he'll look at this year as, well, it's year two of a rebuild since Russ and, you know, come up with every you know, placeholder reason as to why there isn't something more at the source of this in the spine of this. Uh, and that probably means another year of, of Coach Carroll here. Trying to find the positive here, folks. I promise I am. Uh, Barry Sortoro, thank you for the $5 donation. Says, uh, I'm just here to pile on. Hashtag fire Pete. <laughs> thank you, Barry, for the fiver. 
Nothing wrong with piling on, man. Nothing with piling on. Uh, DBN, thank you for the $5 donation. What type of ritual must we do to get us the Ravens' new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, as our head coach in a year or two? Laughing out loud. Can the, can the kitty help? Work some kitty magic? Let me get down and let me see on this DVN. She's right now curled up in a little bit of nap. So she can be a little bit feisty. I got to keep a little bit of my space after I wake her, but it's a good question. Let me ask. Pumpkin, can we get Todd Munkin as our next head coach? He's the offensive coordinator for the Ravens. Can we get Todd Munkin as our next head coach? I don't know. Was that a yes? I think that was a no on her part, DV. I think that was a hard no on her part. All right. Yeah. She's out on that DVN. I guess she's not a monkite. You know what I mean? A monkinite. But uh, Munkin, both Munkin and the defensive coordinator for the Ravens are doing outstanding work and why Harbaugh's lasted as long as he's lasted in my opinion is because he's he's committed to bringing on really smart coordinators around him and he understands what he knows and what he doesn't know and he stays in his lane as the head coach and manages those duties well and he lets his assistants truly operate their scheme and it feels like untethered whatever they need to get the job done he lets them get get uh, get the job done so DVN, she's a, she's kind of a soft no, it sounds like on that. I'll let you guys in the chat decide what she said for sure on that because there was a, there was a mouthful there. But I tried. I'll try to work some kitty magic this offseason one way or another, DVN. Maybe, maybe she was saying, Herbal. <laughs> maybe that's what, maybe that was coming out. Robert Jimenez, how you doing, man? Dave never lies. No, it doesn't. Lou, Pete will not get fired unless Jody Allen sells the team. Pete will be the coach next year. Yep, it sucks, but that is the reality of the situation. My two cents, thoughts, Brando? Well, as you heard there just above in uh, just what I was talking about with um, Tezakaku uh, and his question, I'm in alignment with you, Lou. I don't know if it'll mean that he can, la- he can last the two full seasons. I-, I think if you come back with another year of this, I think that's going to be hard to just kind of like, we'll just ignore this. But I think that that's the tendency of where I'm led to believe this will go until I see something differently. I've maintained on this, Lou, that if Paul Allen, Paul Allen was still alive, I don't believe that Coach Carroll would be the head coach right now. So I, yeah, I, unfortunately, I've, yeah, I, it is what, like you say, it, it, uh, it sucks, but probably is the reality of the situation. Uh, Green Bean says, a few weeks ago, I said the hot Rams, Packers, and the playoffs. The Hawks should lose out to do a 6-11 to get the top pick. Well, now we're at worst 11-9 with no great pick. More mid-seasons incoming, upcoming. Uh, Sean says, if Pete can change his philosophy, then he can stay. If not, he can go. He'll never change. Agreed. Lack of change is the problem here. Twelfth door chat. Hey, B, happy New York. Why did Pete challenge a call when it was first down in the red zone for the Steelers? Again, Pete's management of timeouts is a real negligence. Yeah, I didn't like it uh, much either, 12th Nord Chad. Uh, what's the upshot there? They've got the first down anyway. It's about stepping out of bounds by a couple of yards. You're going to, you're giving like, like you're going to stop. 
He continually comes back to trusting this defense as though it's still Legion of Boom defense. You saw it on the unwillingness to go for it on fourth down when Mike Tomlin was willing to go for it on fourth down. You see it in moments like that where he's like, well, I'll give my defense a couple extra yards with this challenge. It, it, it's, it wasn't going to make a difference. They were going to bang it in from that far out with like a first, first down from the six. With the way they were running the ball, they were going to get it in. But he does trust his defense no matter what, un, undyingly so, and uh, probably shouldn't. Nate says, I thought Clint said they practiced tackling. Even him at the booth didn't make this defense any better. And Gino's fumble sort of screwed the momentum also. It's a bad timing on the fumble by Gino. Um, I, I, it's hard to anticipate pressure coming from the backside on a pass rush win under two and a half seconds when, you, when you're getting the chip block on the backside. That whole purpose of that chip block is so Gino can concentrate on the pressure he's got in front of him here. And the chip block is eliminating that backside that he can't see. So that's cross screwing that play up to the nth degree, quite frankly. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I, they may be working on the tackling, but it's a lot of pantomiming, Nate. So when you can't hit the pads and stuff, it's a lot of like walk up and then just wrap and hug him. It's, it's not the live getting down and getting after it kind of thing, as I understand it. I think you only get 20 padded practices over the whole course of the season or something like that that you can utilize. Maybe this was one of their couple of their pad practices this past week. I don't, it could be, but I think they're more likely having to try to do the pantomime thing. And that's where you just, that's not going to be enough, you know. Rots, yeah, the whole league can't tackle for sure, but it's extra especially a problem here. Andrew Champion, I feel bad for the next defensive coordinator who gets fired. Clifford, this is a Pete problem. He hired defensive coordinator, yet he still controls the defense. He's the reason why these teams know how to beat us. Ask the Niners, Rams, and Steelers. Yeah. Rotsman Sacks, new coach, new quarterback, new horizons. John Lee says a lot of players took steps backwards this year. Mafe was about the only youngster that took a nice step foot forward. Indeed. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Robert says this team will be mediocre at best until Pete Carroll decides to step down or he's fired. Thomas says giving Pete one more year would be better if it was Detroit last year, but seeing that the team quit on the field that the LOB was on, I can't be happy with Pete staying. Divian says, I mean, Brennan Dunn give the meat time and time again. Pause. Dunn give the meat time. Russell says, you know it's bad when nobody's blaming Gino. Finally, everyone's seeing the, starting to see the problem. Yeah, this is one where you can, you can try it if you want. Stretch, you're going to have to stretch real thin to get it out there to Gino on this one. Um, and I, I, I'm going to have a hard time with that one. But yeah, I think most are at least seeing this is for what it is at this point. There's a long season of this, this long couple of seasons of this stuff. Go look at the Raid, Raiders game last year. Go look at the Can Carolina Panthers game last year. These, these performances are all very similar on the defensive side of the ball and not in a good way. Raul Havani is a trade for Russell. Fresh Prime, I just joined, but do we still have a chance for the playoffs? We do, Fresh. We've got to get some... It, obviously, some of it depends on how the Packers-Vikings game plays out tonight, uh, but uh, we're going to need some help to get in. We can't just win and get in. We're going to need some teams to lose. DVN is just annoying. With Pete Carroll, we actually won, and we have never even sniffed a Super Bowl caliber team before. I'm sick of hearing that. Have more faith in your players. 
Uh, it's annoying with Pete Carroll. We actually, with the quote unquote, with Pete Carroll, we've actually won when we have never even sniffed a Super Bowl caliber. Yeah. Thomas, I'm also struggling with the faith on that we're going to be able to handle the Cardinals. I mean, they just beat the Eagles. Not going to be an easy game. Iwujukie says, well, 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 I've been driving the Fire P bus for a mighty long time. Looks like there are a lot of new folks trying to hop on board. Welcome. Let's get Pete a gold watch and the hell off our sideline. There we go. There we go. I know you've been on that board, Yui. Clefix says, I agree 100% B. Thank you for sharing your opinions of us having different opinions. Absolutely, man. I This place is always welcome for people that want to think differently and not necessarily have to be in alignment with me. And I think I do a pretty good job of being open to be respectful wherever you may line it, even if you stoutly disagree with my take. Um, I love having the different opinions and perspectives in here. I really do. I think it does help us get closer to the truth, wherever that may be. Brandon uh, says, I mean, the Lions have played spoiler for us before. Cough, cough, Packers. <laughs> That's true. They helped us out last year. Why not? Why not again? Right. Long live the King. Thank you for the $2 donation. I appreciate you for that. It's great to see you in the chat tonight. Can't draft a quarterback who can stay put over 40 times. Can't draft a quarterback who can put up over 42 points per game. Oh, there we go. Okay, so yeah, you can't draft a quarterback who can put up for over 42 points a game. So Kings is essentially saying that this isn't just a quarterback problem. No QB is going to be able to come in here and throw for 40, put up the 42 spot when that's what's required because your defense is playing as bad as they're playing and as allowing what they're allowing. And that's ap- absolutely to me the, the case as well, King. It's why we're, I, you know, you do draft a quarterback in this draft somewhere probably. I don't, I don't think that it's likely you take him in the first round. You get one somewhere in this draft. But this isn't just a, this is really not just a quarterback solves all kind of issue. Not even close. Not even close. And uh, if if we're wanting to take the biggest swings of the biggest problems so that we can have the biggest corrections, then we got to look to the man at the top right now. Because there's a multitude of things coming out of his side of things that are kind of bleeding right now a little bit. We got to suture these wounds up. Well put, though, King. Very well put, Robert. Jimenez, thank you for the $5 donation. If Paul Allen was still alive, would Pete Carroll still be a head coach? Also, would Paul Allen let the Russell Wilson situation get to where he was traded? Um, well, on the first one, I, as I, w- I was just, you, you kind of read my mind, I guess, in that, Robert, with your dono, because I was just saying that just a second ago, too, is that I, I think that if Paul Allen was still alive, I don't think that he would uh, have stayed with Coach Carroll this long. I think sometime after 2020, at the latest, he would have been like, okay, I've, I've seen enough. Um, my proof in backing this is that, you know, he waited a, a year to move on from Erickson, who he inherited here in Seattle, to go to get Mike Holmgren. He had moved off of Mike Holmgren within three years of going to a Super Bowl. He moved off of Jim Mora after only one season as a coach. When Paul Allen recognized that he didn't have the right guy in place, he did not hesitate he did not blink. He made the move that needed to be moved. So when it comes to that one, I'd feel, I feel very firm that he would not be sitting on this going, let's just ride out another 10 years. Let's give him carte blanche check to write his own exit. I don't think that that's something that Paul Allen would be saying. In regards to Russell Wilson, the second that Russell Wilson, the prior year, the year he was not traded, but the year he came out and he, he submitted a list of four teams that he would be traded to. And he talked about getting hit too much. And he went on his little press tour from hell there for a moment there, kind of shading some of the organization. 
The second he did that, the second he did that, Paul Allen would have said, move him. So Wilson would have been moved the prior year. He wouldn't have given a lickety split about the, uh, the dead money at that point. He wouldn't have wanted to hear a lick about the dead money at that point. He probably would have said something like to Schneider or Carroll, you created this monster. I don't care about that. I don't want him in the house anymore. So uh, I feel pretty, pretty strongly about both those two takes and feeling that that's where both those would be if uh, Allen was still alive. And it does go to show you, you know, that winning championship football does start as much as it might seem silly, like really starts with a billionaire owner. It does start, does start with great ownership. And we'll learn about that with Jody this offseason, I think, in a major way. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate you. You guys are very kind, as always, on your donos and uh, support to the channel. Good time is also just to mention here, as we wrap up our first hour of the show here tonight, this is a show that's going to be brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy has been sponsoring the Hawks Nest throughout the course of this year. And you got one more week left here for the NFL season. But of course, you're going to be able to use this code throughout the whole year. That includes baseball season, basketball season, hockey season, college, whatever, whatever, whatever you would like to go out there and say, hey, I got a feeling about this game one way or the other. You can use my code right now or click down the link in the top description section below. That code is NEST or down the description link section. That'll take you directly to Underdog Fantasy. You sign up there. They will match you up to 100% of your first deposit up to $100. That's $100 on you, from me to you, and you support the channel at the third time. That's the definition of win, win, win. But uh, go to Underdog Fantasy now, utilize that code. In the state of Washington, there are some limitations that do apply, unfortunately. That part sucks. But if you're in a casino in Washington, you got the full use of the app in full at that point. So you can always utilize it in there. I want to thank Underdog Fantasy for sponsoring the show throughout the course of this year. and. Uh, They've got some great contests you can get into. Hey, is your fantasy season done? You can get into the final week of the season, a fantasy matchup. One last little matchup we can jump on into there right now. You can get it. So uh, get on in there. Reclaim a little bit of your glory this year that might have been lost. they got a lot of other variety of contests ongoing here that you can jump into. Still giving away $200,000 next week. But thank you to Underdog for sponsoring the show tonight. Camille, do we even want to win at this point? We ain't making it past the wild card. Yeah, probably not at this point. I mean, I I always will want to try to get in the playoffs no matter what, Camille, because I'm a I'm a dreamer. I'm a romantic, you know. I'll always think there's a chance. But, you know, a sober individual looking at the situation would probably be like, no. Uh, Thomas, I slowly came to fire Pete. I slowly came to the fire Pete bus, but I don't believe it. I don't believe if Pete goes, there are no good head coaches. There are multiple good head coaches, especially Ben Johnson. Yeah, I'm a believer in that as well. I think there's a lot of good coaches throughout this nation. And it just takes the right process for how you hire. And uh, this team has done pretty good in hiring. Two of the last three hires have been hit it up in the upper deck shots. I mean, in Carroll's case, you knocked it out of the stadium. So you've done a good job in your hiring process in recent years. And I do believe that there are coaches out there that could make uh, a lot of sense here. And I'm like you, Thomas. I slowly did arrive here. I've given it a lot of time for this for this uh, wine to breathe. And it's still vinegar. Jordan Rams are vastly better coached team. They don't have near the talent we do. Nope. They're also sitting on just a little bit of what we call $57 million of dead money. Yet doing what they're doing. Jaws is the Rams were supposed to be a garbage rebuilding team this year, and yet they are better than us. It stings. 
especially when they beat you twice. Steve, Pete put together Legion of Boom, one of the best defenses to ever play the game. How is it Pete's fault? I don't know, Steve, uh, what one of those would have to do with, that would have to do with the now. The Legion of Boom, Steve, was 10 years ago, and it was certainly, as you say, a historically great defense and one of the best teams ever. But in the last seven years, Steve, you got one playoff win. You're you're one and five in the playoffs. You haven't been an elite squad for 10 years. You haven't put a top 10 defense together in 10 years, despite having a defensive-minded head coach. You have a supremely undisciplined football team that can't tackle for uh, nothing. I I don't know what that, that's where we come to be, Steve, when I talk about bone versus the meat. And if you're talking about talking about Legion of Boom, you're talking about 10 years ago, you're kind of losing me. And that's more bone than that's actually given me meat to go off of because that has, that, that's a long time ago. That has nothing to do with the now nor to do with the confidence in the team moving forward and to build confidence in the team moving forward. Drunk says, if we do move off of Pete, who we hire? I mean, as he said, Ben Johnson with the Lions could be a good, a good guy to look at. You certainly would kick the tires on a guy like Harbaugh. I know Dan Quinn would get a lot of love and Seahawks fandom as a guy that, that they should go to. Um, I think you've got to invest in the process of the hire, which is to, you put a committee together, which is what they do. They get outsiders in there. You reach out to a guy like Mike Holmgren. You reach out to these outsiders and say, Who, who's some names out here you're hearing about? You distill down that list and you go find the right names. You know, go find the right guy from that. And drunk, yeah, we're going to see about how much drunk Jody does care about the team, I think, this offseason. That answer is going to get a lot more. That's been one that I've had a question in my mind of, but I think we're going to get that firm answer this offseason. Lou says, trying to simplify this, goal number one is the Super Bowl. How do you get there? Well, that's where we come back to, I think it takes a new coach at this point, because I think you have some systemic issues, some real root issues that if you just continue to deal with the symptoms, you're not going to get back to the cause of the problem. And that's really where it goes, you know, if you're talking about getting to elite, that's where Lou, my confidence is shaken. I, like you say, you said earlier, we're probably going to have to run this back no matter what, but the, I don't know. It doesn't mean I have to have confidence that they're going to get it there. I'll support the team and hope I'm wrong. You know, if they go down that route, but that's where it's headed. BLM Ben, how the F would this be on Gino? Offense can't do everything. Amen. Amen. Poop dog, get Russ on the league minimum and Denver would have to pay the rest of the 37 million. That would be the ultimate burn on the Broncos if Russ wins a chip again with the Hawks. Just dreaming. <laughs> All right, well, that was, I was trying to say that poop dog in the stream um, this last week, I was trying to present that as a pathway that the team could, you know, theoretically take. And people were saying, well, so you want Russ back then is what you're not saying. That's not what I'm saying with it. I'm just saying that they could go down this way where there, this could make some sense to do that. But uh I don't know. I do agree, as King says. I don't know if Russ would have gotten more out of this team. I think Geno's maximized this team for as far as they were going to go this year. Kevin, uh, you know there's no leadership when none of the defensive captains come out to explain themselves post-conference. Something that KJ Wright was pointing to a couple weeks ago was that there was a, a stunning lack of leadership on this team. And he could point to a guy here or a guy there, kind of. But that it was something that stood out to him, and I, I tend to agree with him. Stands out to me as well. Thomas says, but who hires these coordinators? It's not Schneider. It falls on Pete. Yes. So when he will be held accountable for a bad job based off of the talent around team should have 12 games. Should have won 12 games, not eight. Agreed. G says, I want a new vibe for the team. Me too, man. 
This this just feels like a bit of a cloud on this team right now, a bit. Thomas says, I feel what KJ said weeks ago is true. Pete's not reaching these players. Agreed. I just don't think his message is landing. Just don't think it. And some of this is maybe a bit of the outdated approach. Some of this too is as, as often has been said is that just in the NFL, it's a strange thing where after a certain amount of time, coaches just get kind of tuned out, you know, even if they know the right answers and they can ed, you know push the guys in the right direction. Sometimes you just, just get stale a little bit. Oh, Tavarius Jackson was number seven. Thank you, Cornell. Rest in peace, Tavarius. I totally had spaced on Tavarius. My bad. Anders is so glad I see a bunch of hand ringing about who could we possibly get that's better than Pete anymore. Yeah. The floor is not as, the, the ceiling is not as high, tall as it once was on that part of it. Diaga says this used to be a desired spot in the NFL due to culture and winning, but no longer. Bobby Slowick, that's another good candidate out there. I'd be open to that. Tommy says, ah, yes, I'm adequately lubed with alcohol now. Time for a measured discussion on how bad Pete is. <laughs> Rogers Green, Pete isn't motivating these guys and always took a bullet when you played Adams all year. Not one of your best players. Also took, I think you meant, also took a bullet. Yeah, that one definitely hurt. Frederick, uh, what's my ideal coaching choice next year? Harbaugh, Dan Quinn, maybe give Flores another shot. Uh, my opinion, Frederick, is I'd like to lean into going for an offensive-minded head coach. And the guy that you mentioned in there, Harbaugh, I know that this is a divisive figure in Hawk fandom for a couple of different reasons, but I've loved the work that he's done there at Michigan since leaving San Francisco. He's won at every coaching destination he's gone from, be it San Diego State, to Stanford, to San Francisco, to Michigan. He wins wherever he goes. So he checks a lot of the boxes for what I would like. I'm also leaning into an ideal for us in this situation. If I'm a Hawk fan is if I look to a new coach, what's brought us back the best hires in this history? Who have been the best coaches in this history? Chuck Knox, Mike Holmgren, Coach Carroll, the best. Okay. Not in that order, but those are your three best. All three of those guys had a track record of head coaching prior and head coaching success prior to coming here. Um, and at least in Carroll's case, it was at the college level mainly, but he had done some head coaching as well at the pro level, just hadn't had a, you know, he had kind of a middling record at that time. But that would, I think Harbaugh also fits to that as, as kind of, that's why to me, he aligns up as the one that I, I would like most. But I'm not, I'm not picky on this. It's, it's not a Harbaugh or bust kind of situation. I did hear about Nick for Brendan with the bag over his head. That's hilarious. <sighs> I'm not surprised he's got to that spot either. Calvin Brandon did a video about all the free agents or trades that go to the Seahawks and their production drops. So almost every trade and free agent in recent history. Yeah, it's been it's been the problematic. Jimmy Graham, Jamal Adams. Draymond Jones, go down the line. You, know, you, you bring guys here and, and they play at a lesser place. You know, and that speaks to Keldon. The coach is not maximizing the talent. Yeah, you know, it says, for all, Pete, for all his faults, Pete still has the best sideline celebrations and cheering of all coaches. And that, for me, is worth the pain when we can get it. <laughs> that is something on that, I guess. 
Uh, Clifford, if we uh, lose next week and make the playoffs, it may just give us a boost on drafting the future quarterback of the franchise. I believe Brennan said we're currently in the 20s in the draft. That sounds right. Low, low 20s. Low, low 20s. TJ says we really have to depend on Justin Fields next week to get in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Drunk says, I'm assuming offseason goes like this. We extend Leonard Williams, cut Jamal Adams, and temporarily, temporarily held for our D-line draft amazing players. Our coaching staff doesn't use them. Rinse and repeat. Sounds about right. That tracks, Drunk. Aaron Smith says, it seems like the NFL has changed and Pete hasn't adapted. That's my outlook on it, Aaron. Remember when he brought this defense to play back in 2009? A lot of the NFL was kind of scoffing at it at the time. You're going to run this 1980s defense in this modern age with all of the modern offensive iterations that can be unleashed upon a, a simplified defense such as that. And Coach Carroll said, yes, I will be. And he made one of the more magical defenses we've ever seen, one of the, the best defenses in NFL history. But the NFL is in an ever-changing state. And there are so many reasons for this. The amount of coaches that went out of his tree and utilized his defense in other places. And so you had a proliferation of the simplified defense. And so that then opened the door to offensive coordinators solving this defense, finding the plays that would work against this defense. And you give 10 years of that going on, that gives a lot of plays and a lot of time for smart offensive minds to figure out creative approaches to attack simplified schemes. And that is indeed what's happened. And Aaron, it's, it's constantly moving forward. I mean, just take the last 10 years alone. Take one thing like pre-snap motion. You know, 10 years ago, 12, 13 years ago, you'd see pre-snap motion, I think run at like 10, 13%, something like that. Now it's run like 60% of offensive plays. It's just one little thing in 10 years that's changed tremendously. And there's so many other parts in, in the NFL that change with it, but you've not changed anything within your defensive scheme. Yet you still do run the same old kind of approach with that. Uh, Steve says, you guys are going to be sorry if Pete leaves and we have to start all over again from the ground up and suck for years. That's that pushback I try to have on that. I appreciate your perspective on this, Steve. But again, I'm, I'm looking for you to give me some meat on the bone about confidence in Carroll moving forward. You, you're a pro Carroll guy, which I'm with. I want you to sell me on this. But if you can, with this, understand, you're not giving the meat on that bone. You're giving me things that's ever, you referenced Light Legion of Boom 10 years ago. You're referencing, we're going to be sorry if we move on. So we're, we're, going, to, we're going to approach our coaching decision from a fear-based model. We're not going to think about what we got there and get as the good thing. We're going to be just scared about how it will just simply go even worse if we were to move on from him. And my base, my real baseline, Steve, issue with that, that line of thought is it's not, can you, you can't kind of consistently apply it, Steve. And what I mean by this is if we applied back in Mike Holmgren's era and day and we said, hey, we brought Mike in. He had won. He got into two Super Bowls with the Green Bay Packers. He got us to a Super Bowl, our first one in our NFL history in 40 years as an organization. You move on from him. You're going to be sorry. You'll be, you'll be sucking for years if you move on from Holmgren. You'll never find the pathway to the light again. You're going to give up on the one great coach you've had in your NFL, in your history of your organization. If Steve, if you had been the guy saying that at the time, what you're saying now with, with Carol, we never get to coach Carol. We never make the hire of coach Carol because we become married to this Holmgren thing. So it's, it, it again, as I, I appreciate that's where you come from. And this is an argument that's been presented to me before of, you know, 
Well, it's going to be dark for sure if we move on from Carol. I don't know that. You don't know that for sure. It can go a variety of different ways. And here's the thing about it. It might go, go, go dark for a year like it did after you moved on from Mike Holmgren. It got really dark. More was crap. But then the next year you got to Pete. So it still got you to the path of winning. It still got you to the path of championships. The NFL does not reward you for being stagnant and just holding serve. The NFL awards you for being aggressive and forward thinking in your approach. Thomas Cox, I don't see Harbaugh from the Ravens forcing his players in an outdated scheme. Same with Reed. I see these offensive guru head coaches having a top five defense. Now they understand the value of it for sure. And I think in Reed's case, what I like about offensive coordinators is that you don't see them at the offensive head coaches, Thomas, is that you don't feel like it's, you feel them having as much impact on the defensive side of the ball and, and telling those guys what to do as it sometimes seems like you have the defensive minded head coaches telling the offensive coordinators what to do and having an effect and an impact on them. It just doesn't seem to work in the same way. It's one of the reasons I, I turn so hard away from the defensive-minded head coaches. I think that they bring a, an ideology that goes beyond just the defense with them that's not always favorable to the modern NFL. And in Harbaugh's case, you're right. You know, Harbaugh finds the scheme that's going to work for the players that, that he's got in there. Take, take, look at Lamar Jackson and drafting Lamar Jackson. Did they just take Lamar Jackson and turn him into a pocket passer from day one and say, this is... No, you brought in Roman from the Niners who had worked with Kaepernick to maximize his legs, to marry his legs with what he can do with his arm to get the most out of him at the quarterback position. And that's what Harbaugh did with Roman. And then as Lamar has grown and has you know, opened up more in his game to be able to widen his ability out the quarterback position to run more of a fuller offense, now he brings in an offensive coordinator that's going to be able to have him run more of the, a full offensive attack that's not just built around his legs. But Harbaugh's going to get the right guys in there and he's going to let them do their job. And the offense right now looks completely different for Harbaugh and how they're running it for Lamar than how they had it running for Roman. And that speaks to, again, how Harbaugh's not just marrying himself to my ways, my philosophy, my base, that what we need to do to make this work, to make this impactful. I might go get him another Super Bowl championship on the back of it. Uh, Warren, yep, Harbaugh would be the guy that I'd bring in. That would be my number one guy. Tommy says, I really hope Pete gets fired at this point. I don't even want him to retire. I blame him for ruining my football season for the last seven years. Almost a decade. Um, and Jim may have resigned, resigned with Michigan, Joe. Um, but the one thing to continue with this is that the, the contract at the college level doesn't impede a guy going to the NFL level. What I mean by that is that you're not, the NFL doesn't have to do anything to accommodate the college program if the coach leaves. So he can resign. And it, it's in a lot of times in college programs, Joe, they do these announcings of the re-signs and all this other stuff because it, um, it, it's for the recruiting aspect and how that'll help you with that. But uh, we'll see if he truly ends up staying there when it, when it really all boils down uh, as we get into this offseason. Steve Aguard, too much, too little by Johnny Mathis comes to mind. Yes, it's over. I'm a flamingo. There was so much yellow in the stands. Time to end this myth of the huge home field advantage. If I may say on this flamingo, and, and this is a place where I think I get uniquely suited to be able to have an opinion on this one, doing this show four or five times a week and having so many fan interactions as I do in my comment section. Uh, the fan base is as this season, halfway into the year, there was a huge grouping of the fan base that became checked out. 
And unlike in a way that I hadn't seen in recent years, for a team that wasn't necessarily like a two loss team or two win team, you know, that it was just completely getting boat raced every week. It's, it's that we're seeing the same game play out on a yearly basis for years and years on end. And there's some people that don't maybe recognize that pattern there happening. You know, they're not seeing that, but there is a, certainly a contingent of Hawk fans that see the pattern. It's readily apparent. It's bursting off the page, if you will, like a 3D book. And they're going, I, I don't want any more of this experience. And they, che they checked out. And I can't blame people if they arrive at that state. You're watching something fail in the same way for years on end. It gets hard to find optimism or, or hope that it's going to get fixed or it's moving in a direction that isn't broken. Joe, thank you for the $2 donation. Says, is this game really Geno's fault or the defense? I believe, Joe, that this is the defense's fault. You, you only caused one punt on the day. You didn't get one single turnover. I almost think that I can present those two stats to you and that that's sort of all there needs to be said about this game. You know, you, you caused one punt, no turnovers, one sack, two quarterback hits, well over 200 yards rushing. This is on the defense. Geno played a really good game. We can't be expecting the offense to have to score on every possession for us to win football games. That's, that's not right. So it's, it's just, for me, solely on that. Even on the sack of Geno, he moves so well in the pocket throughout this day. He has a blindside rush that rips the ball out on the backside, and that's a pass rush win in under two and a half seconds. And it's understandable why he believed that the pass, why his protection was going to hold up on that blind side when he's got the chipper coming off the edge, when Charbonnet's helping out cross. There's times where a quarterback's got to trust a little bit of his protection, especially his blindside tackle. That's the reason you made him a top 10 pick was that you could have those moments of you weren't just trusting him blindly, you were giving him help. Lewis says, uh, Gino misses as many passes as Patrick Mahomes this year playing behind a shit line. Uh, Lou says, uh, Gino puts, uh, misses as many passes as Patrick Mahomes this year playing behind a shit O-line. If Geno's the best quarterback in the league, no. Put Geno behind the best O-line in the NFL, Purdy numbers. Agreed. Part of why I do have faith in Geno and part of why I say Lou at the forefront of what I'd like to do this offseason in our approach, regardless of what we do with the head coaching position, is get the offensive line in place. Because I think that not only are you going to then see Geno really fly, but then you're going to see the ground game really go too. Both of the combination of those two. Uh, Randy Cat, now, 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 Pete established this culture. Don't get it to um, Yeah, Rand, I don't quite get to the place of saying Pete established the winning culture here. You'd, it's, it's hard for someone to make that argument when you'd been to a Super Bowl four years prior to the guy arriving, right? It's hard to say that when you had had four division titles within the prior 10 years to the guy arriving. Did we have a couple of year downturn with Mora in the last year of Holmgren? Sure, but that's a two-year period. That, does not, that doesn't bear out necessarily just a pure losing culture. That was as much a failure of Jim Mora as a coach in that season as anything else 
exemplified by the fact that Mora was fired after one year, which is kind of hard to have happen to you as a coach. You know, you got to do a pretty bad job for that to be the case. Um, Carroll reestablished and re, but it was established here. He reestablished. It wasn't like brought from bare scratch to nothingness. Um, but it's certainly been said before. So you're not the only one that believes on that. I just, I can't get there myself. Rogers Green says, real telling who on this team would anyone want besides maybe DK and Walker? I think Cross has not been bad necessarily this year. He's had some moments that have been tough, but he's been a good, he's been, I think, solid overall from what he's brought. Uh, I think somebody would with him. Um, JSN, certainly somebody would like him. I, I, if Disley left and went somewhere, Disley would have a place where he'd be getting some snaps on an NFL field somewhere, if not here. But you don't have a lot, to your point. Abraham Fragasso, Browns made us fire Matt Canada. Maybe we helped you fire Carroll. Maybe so, man. Maybe so. Congrats on the win today. Good job by the Steelers. No excuses given on our part. Avatar Singh, as a Niner fan, the Seahawks are not the same anymore. Your offense is good, but defense is really bad with a defensive-minded coach. I think that's a fair outlook from coming from a Niners fan on it. I think many of us have that same same outlook. Tattoo Johnson says, stop effing deferring on the kickoffs. <laughs> Thomas says, I feel Pete will stay and then he is going to make stupid decisions and it will make this team worse than what we are. Am I? Joe Tilson, Pete, replaced by whom? I got two exclamation points on that one, Joel. Uh, I think there's a variety of different guys out there, man. I just don't think that Pete sets some standard model. That there's no other coach that you could get to ever put another guy in here. Like he's, he is the end all be all coach for Seahawks history. I, I just, I can't, I can't sign up onto that. I'm not really sure. How, so like I said, I'm trying to make some points on this that are showing why that's not, shouldn't be as much the case looking at this historically. But uh, I, 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 and again, it doesn't give me the thing with this Joel on this for the folks that are, are pro coach Carroll folks. You got to sell me on something that's got the meat on the bone. The don't make this decision because you could be you should be frightfully scared about how the next decision you make to hire should freak the hell out of you. Does not mean that Coach Carroll is then the right coach. The but who else are you going to get? Does not mean Coach Carroll is the answer. The assessment of Coach Carroll and whether or not he should remain your head coach right now, Joel, should be based on nothing to do with who you bring in. He is either the right coach for this team. He's either pushing this team into a state that can get to a contending state or he's not. And if he can't bring this team to a contending state, then he's not the right guy. And they got to go out there and find the guy who is. And, and maybe like with the Mora hire, the next guy you go and grab ain't going to be the guy. Maybe he sucks it up for two years, but then by the third year, you get back to the right guy on it. And you started that approach and you started that process now, at least versus standing still standing paused as an organization Stuck in that place that I say is the worst place that any organization can find itself in any sport. And that's in between. You're in the middle of the river and you're in the whirlpool and you're spinning in place and you're not getting further down the stream and you're not getting further into the shoreline. You're just spinning in place. And the organization finds itself a little bit in that spinning of place right now. Philip Castle says, I remember Knox took the Hawks to the playoffs several years in a row. He did. He did indeed. Cameron, thank you for the $5 donation. 
If Pete remains the head coach, it's going to be hard to have optimism for next season. I'm tired of the same song and dance. I am as well. And I will as well, Cameron. Um, I, this team is going into this offseason with what we have to try to figure out. And uh, just on a personnel standpoint, without even factoring in what we've got to figure out from a scheme, it's certainly going to be hard to look at this team and say, oh, you'll be getting into the playoffs next year. The Niners are going to be just as hard. They've got another cheap rookie year of Brock Purdy going into next year. You have a Rams team that's no longer going to be bogged down by $57 million of dead money moving into this offseason. And they're going to allow to be very aggressive in their approach this offseason and what they choose to do. Uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I don't think the NFC is going to be quite as down as it was this year, next year. And uh, so I, I can't give it blindly, Cameron. They're going to have to give me some reason to have that optimism like you're feeling as well. And I think many Hawk fans are feeling in a, in a similar fashion. Joel says, why is Pete so crazy about Jamal Adams? I, I think the love affair is starting to to, to pit her off here by inactivating him for the rest of the year as they have. Um, I think he just liked the way he played with the Jets and that's the kind of play, that's the kind of spirit that played with the kind of reckless abandonment with the New York Jets that Carroll seeks in his guys and is hard to find. And um, unfortunately, I think some of the injuries have just kind of robbed Jamal of some of that natural edge that he used to have in the, in the games. Thomas says, I love, uh, I love Seattle and I'll keep watching, but I feel Pete here, it will make me more worried than I am now. Joel says, will Jody Allen give Pete a retirement package to leave? Well, I mean, he'll get, a, he'll get the last two years of his contract guaranteed, Joel. So that's, you know, good, what, $15 million, I'm sure, or something like that um, as a, I guess, quote unquote, retirement package. But uh, I think he'll also be, he would still be brought back as a consultant, which would be even more further that, I would think. Tattooed Johnson says, bottom third defense, six years in a row. Bottom third, great stat, Tattooed. Got buried there a little bit, but bottom third defense for six years in a row with a defensive-minded head coach. Thirty hour, unfortunately, considering the team will be sold soon, they won't fire Pete and bring in a new guy since the new guy knows he will most likely be fired when the new ownership takes over. Very much could become of an impediment here, three hour, and that does suck. Thomas's Adams is Troy Palomalo. Sorry, I can't spell his name. That is his go-to player every draft year. He, he loved himself some Troy. Noah Berman, he yeah, says he would have been fired after the Dallas game by Paul Allen. Noah agreeing with me on the Allen side of it. And I, I could definitely have seen that too, Noah. I, I just don't think Paul had this sort of like long, I'm just going to sit here and lackadaisically, you know, wait for him to find his way. Paul could read the room really well in this respect of things. And he would be aggressive. Nick's Vikings D's looking like ours. Yeah, there's a keynote difference between it. You got Flores, who doesn't have a lot of natural talent on that Vikings defense, maximizing his personnel for everything he can. And um, that Packers offense has been, you know, humming. So this is a game, you know, where they're, they're getting after it. But the Flores understands that this defense isn't going to be good whether or not I run things elaborate or not. And I, in running things elaborate, I can at least maybe get some of these games this season where we can carve out some good defensive performances on the back of our aggressiveness. So it's it's that stout difference between one that has a defensive coach that's going to get after it and send his players. And you'll have games like this. You get down 33, but under, he acknowledges understandings. I don't have the talent here to just line these guys up and let them go. And that's, I think, a little bit of the lack of recognition that you get from Pete on this side of things. 
Tattoo Johnson, DeBoer makes most sense. I like DeBoer. I'm open to that too. He's done a great job with Washington. Tommy says, Pete's a terrible head coach, to be honest. Fine position coach. Good motivator. Terrible head coach. Yeah, fair way of putting it. Dirty D's, is it too late to tank? Just a little bit, man. Just a little bit. Thomas, I feel Pete will trade up because desperation to get Daniels and then he will not pan out. I have a bad feeling if Pete stays. I'm worried about that kind of thing too. Just that his, then his urgency ends up pushing us to make bad long-term decisions for the organization at that point. Deji Johnson, run with no O-line, bottom third defense, defer to gas our defense early. <laughs> Thomas is McDonald, I like, but who will be our OC? I'm sure he's got somebody that he could call upon. Fan since 92, can we beat the Cardinals? I mean, we can, we can technically beat them, fan, but I mean, they gave us kind of all we could handle here at home earlier this year, and they got Kyler back now, and he's playing pretty good football. So... Uh, it's going to be a probably much more a dog fight than we'd like. Three hour, we should take Barton or Fantanu. Either one would suit me. Three hour, I like them. Like them both. Will the Hawks hire Dan Quinn's Joel? They might. There's rumors of him being connected here with Seattle, potentially this offseason if Carroll did move on. Wayne G likes himself some Eric Bieniemy. Camille, I would resign Leonard Williams as a high priority for agent this offseason. It, it's doesn't matter what the coaches you're bringing in here. One of the harder positions to address right now in the NFL is defensive tackle, especially a three-tech like him that can provide some good run defense on top of the pass rush that he supplies. So get me back Leonard Williams into the, into the flow. He should be the highest prior free agent. I don't know if there's even really that many free agents in-house we'd be looking to bring back anyway. David says, uh, good night for Michigan. I'll put in a call to Jim and see what I can do. Night, Brando, and Happy New Year. Well, thank you. Every little bit helps, Steven. And that's, that's my guy. I'll, I'll take the bullets from Hawk fans about going for a former Niner coach, but I'll, everybody will be super happy with this guy a year or two after having him. I guarantee you that. Greg says, I don't get why people want Woolen tackling so much when he's built like a stick and keeps getting hurt trying to tackle. It's just not his skill set, and it isn't the skill set of 90, 90% of other NFL cornerbacks either. Yeah. And then I think there's room here, Greg, for it to develop a little bit with him because he's got a nice, he's a bit taller of a build. So he's not your typical sub six foot corner that's super light and can't do it. Um, it may come with time a little bit better. And I do wonder about where his shoulder's at a little bit with this. And I think it just probably stands out tonight as much as ever, Greg, because of the he's got the, you know, poster moment where Najee's stiff arming him to, stiff arming him to the ground. But uh, he's a part of the plan going into the future. Definitely, definitely he's going to help this team out, I think. Sophomore slump, but I think he'll bounce back. And Joel, I don't know about firing a defensive coordinator. I think you've already gone down that path a couple times in recent years, and that hasn't fixed the issue. It's Carroll's defense at the end of the day. Uh, Brandon says that after what I see, my hometown CFL team would kind of beat Seattle tonight, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are trash. Noah says if we lose to the Cardinals, Jody possibly can't. Jody can't possibly rationalize keeping Pete. The team looks like it quit on him. If it wasn't for some last-minute heroics, we'd have six wins. In those moments, I've wondered about that, and I haven't always been able to say that about Carol in recent years. If the Pete, if the team's quitting on you, or if the team's not all on board, everybody's tapped in, so to speak. Um, 
we're going to learn a lot this offseason, Noah. Is Jody really an active owner here? Like some have told me, I've been told privately in the background that she's fire and brimstone and that she will absolutely do what needs to be done and that she's no shrinking violet. If that's the case, then let's, let's see what happens. Let's see it. Let's see that play out. Because this is a pretty straightforward process at this point. I've already made the argument. I don't think that Carol's here with Paul Allen still on. You've given him the extra couple of years beyond what your brother would have done so. So now is it the sale of the impending team that's the most important item on your table? Or is it having the right head coach for this team as you continue to own the team? And maybe you've got to make a decision if you're Jody Allen between those two items. Renee's world, do you think we will make it? If so, will we get put out in the first round? Uh, it's hard to see this team, even if it's getting in the playoffs right now, Renee, to be honest with you. I mean, you got you need help next week. Uh, you're going to need to still then beat the Cardinals on the road. Um, and then you talk about this team going up against any quality opponents this year outside of a, a couple of teams, a couple of times. It's, it's basically just not been able to stand toe-to-toe with those guys. So it's hard for me to see us getting past the first round, even if we got in. Joel, any rumors on Pete's future? No, I, haven't, I haven't heard any hard rumors on it. Nothing I'd go with necessarily. Dustin Washington says, Pete is a good leader, a good person, but not a good head coach for this era. The proof is in the consistently horrible product. Yeah, I would never put anything personal on Pete on it. I think he's a, he seems like a good human being. As you say, he seems like a good leader. Seems like a great supportive coach. Um, you know, there, there, there's a, there are those things to him, but like you say, the bottom line of it, but is he still a good head coach? I think that's a great way of uh, terming it on this, Dustin. Lit Party Bots. Pete is an ancient fossil of a coach that has been discovered and analyzed by all the NFL coaches. Fire, fossil, Pete. I'm interested to see where this, uh, we got 386 votes on the poll tonight. I'm interested to see where this poll goes. And yeah, Joel, I'd like to see Harbaugh replace him. Uh, Lou, Super Bowl is always the goal to get where win the division. 0-2 versus the Rams, Niners, 1-0 versus Cards. That is not championship football. Offense and defensive need more dogs. Offensive line and defensive line need more dogs. Yeah, that's where we, me, that's where big part of the onus is at. Don't at me. Food for thought. What incentive does Pete have in his last hooray for, to, to draft an inexperienced quarterback and develop him? Pete knows to ride with his guys till the end. Pete genuinely believes he can win now. Yeah, I agreed. I've, this is where I've also gotten into my thinking on this. Do it, don't at me that rather than it's a possibility that we desperately trade up for the quarterback that, that Pete looks at this and goes, yeah, maybe it's just the QB. I think it's more likely to your point on this though, that they draft the quarterback more second to third to fourth round range, ride with Gino. And then it's more about just, you've got some depth of the quarterback position. If Gino goes down, you're not paying the five, four or 5 million you'd pay for Drew Locke on the other side of that. Tommy says, Pete has set a pretty low bar. Not hard to find a coach who can be better than the worst defense in the league in eight and nine seasons. Well said. Well said. Matt Whitmire says, time for a change. Uh,
Brian E says his message isn't landing on the D. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Now he says it's true. You know, you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Pete has entered the Harvey Dent epoch. He has indeed. Michael says, if a plan is to pick a quarterback in the next draft, would you want a new coach in place beforehand? That would be the ideal, Michael, you know, so that they could have some sign-off to the QB that they're getting. We have a new coach that inherits a quarterback. They don't tend to be too bought into him. They want their own guy. Sometimes it can work in as an inheritance, but more often than not, they're going to eventually trans transition to one that they really want. Thomas says, I'd be excited if Jim Harbaugh became the head coach, especially if Schneider, talent if talent, uh, Schneider was the talent evaluator. I would too. Nirin Namark, don't forget Pete was responsible for the only team in college football history to have their title stripped. Loses love Brandon with the bag over his head. We should all be embarrassed after that performance. Yeah, that wasn't a good one. I don't blame Brandon for doing it either. And Joel, it's possible Harbaugh gets hired by the Chargers Chicago. It's not Harbaugh a bust for me, man. I think there's some other coaches that can get the job done here too. Near, uh, near Mark says Pete is not adapted to not having the Legion of Boom talent on this team. No, he is not. And a champion get mad at Pete when his guys are stuck in soft zone watching opponents catch balls, check their watch, and then turn up field to get 10 more yards. Brutal watching this zone defense. We just drop to these deep, deep trenches and just leave so much space. Nobody ever picks anybody up. It's weird. Joel, uh, Pete's being outcoached by younger offensive coaches. He is. He is for sure. Um, Christian, thank you for the $10 donation. Very kind of you, Christian. I appreciate you. It says, love you both, B&B. We had years of success with Mike H. Thinking we won't be good after Pete. Era, Pete's era is ridiculous. Stefanowski, KOC, Shanahan, I think an offensive coach in today's NFL like Ben Johnson is the move. Well, well said on your part, Christian. And I like Ben Johnson, the work that he's done there in Detroit. He is going to be one of the hot commodities out there as a head coach this offseason. There's no doubt about that. So would he check the boxes that I'm talking about I'm looking for? He would. And am I pretty firm in my standing that this for me is not just a one-stop shop of it's got to be just this guy Harbaugh we bring in or nobody else? Like, I think that there's a variety of guys who can do it. I just want that model to be the offensive-minded head coach at the forefront of this. I think that's an easier pathway to build a team that can get it done. And uh, yes, you got to look at the Mike Holmgren situation before you start getting stuck on the be careful. We, if you move on from Pete, it's nothing but dark, treacherous waters. Go back and look at the Mike Holmgren situation. Maybe you find yourself as a younger fan who just became a fan of this team as Carroll's been head coach and as Russell Wilson's been your, your quarterback. Take a little bit of a historical perspective. Look at this, though. Look at how those teams were through the 2000s. Understand that that is that there there you've won before. We've gotten winning before. You got to a Super Bowl in 2005. You should have won. The, the officials stole it from you. You were the better team. The officials took the game from you. So it, yes, we can find other coaches that can take us to the mountaintop. This is not the only way. This is not the only person. And I would have loved to see Pete get back into that spot, but hard to believe Pete's going to be the guy to get you there at this point with all that he's got working against him on his side of things. But thank you, Christian. I love doing the B&B &B shows there with Brendan and uh, 
We'll definitely keep them up, as you know, into the offseason as we do our free agency and draft coverage and all that. And uh, well said on your part. Very well said on your part. Give me an offensive head coach. Amari Taylor, we need to get rid of Pete and Gino and Clint. I'm ready for us to draft a quarterback and get a new coaching staff. I think that's kind of the consensus tonight, if I may say. Jordan says, imagine if we fired Pete two years ago, we would have completed a rebuild already. Now we have to wait for Pete to go and restart. That's one of the, uh, the be careful what you wish for folks about getting rid of Pete about us going to the dark waters. That's the, uh, the flip side of this too. By holding on to Pete, you prolong how long this potential rebuild will take. You prolong the amount of potential damage he does with the sense of urgency he's trying to apply to a team that needs patience and, and growth and development. You know, it, it kind of can work that other way, ironically. JLP says, Pete's still here, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Thomas says, this isn't the 1990s. Most teams now take at least three to five years from the worst to the best if they decide the right players. Heck, Denver's decided to do that now. Yeah. It, it, it just, it's not going to play out like that, I don't think. Cannon McAfee, today's loss is completely on the D. Shitty tackling, Geno's good. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment, Cannon. It's on the D. I'm not throwing none of this on Gino. Mari, we need to get rid of Pete and Gino and Clint. I'm ready for us to draft quarterback and get a new coaching staff. Where the consensus is today. Christian says, sorry, that's a loser mentality and contend to mediocrity. Jim Mora was let go after one year knowing he wasn't the guy. We can move on from the Pete era. He made the team stale. There it is, man. I agree, man. I think it's a loser mentality to be like, I, I think when you make a decision, you, you make it based on fear. That's not the right way to make a decision. I don't think on anything in life. You make, you, you make a decision in fear. It's like your whole brain goes to that reptilian spot in your brain. There's all the rest of this place, this hemisphere to operate within, to think within. And you, you go down to this small little walnut-sized spot in your brain instead. And uh, when it comes to, you know, who we go and who's the guy that's going to be the answer after Pete, there's going to be answers out there. Does it take the right hire? Is there going to need to be the right process to bring the right guy in? to determine who that guy is for this particular team. Yeah, is that going to take a lot of work? Hell yeah, that's going to take a lot of work. But there is that guy that can be found. It is not just a Pete and there'll never be another coach to ever take us back to the mountaintop again. Or we got to wait 75 years to get back up there again. I think as you say, Christian, I think that's a little bit of a, a loser mentality. I agree with you on that. And let's, let's operate with the, the understanding of Paul Allen walked in here in 97 and he created a winner at the time. That's the model that was set. That's the standard that's set. And if that's the standard, then being mediocre isn't good enough. And we shouldn't be complete. We shouldn't be complicit in continuing to say, oh, it's fine. It happens. It's okay if it happens. Kansas Rams may be the best threat to the Niners. They might be. DJ, almost 500 yards with two Pro Bowl type cornerbacks, 15 plus million defensive line and a Hall of Fame inside linebacker. What the F? A little rough today, TJ. Uh, Thomas says, I can name numerous teams who fired legendary coaches just to go back to the Super Bowls. Heck, Philly did it three times. Dallas did it with Landry. I can keep going. Pete was after Holmgren, etc. Great points, Thomas. Great examples. And uh, all, all sound ones at that. Kansas is the shittiest tackling I've ever seen. Yeah, this is, I, this is maybe legit the worst tackling Seahawks team I've seen in their history. That sounds like an overstatement, but I was thinking about it today and I can't think of another team that stood out to me for being as, you know, the 2017 blue coverages, you know, they just got molly whopped in the, a lot in the passing attack as much as anything, but the inability to tackle is just mind numbing. 
him. I don't know why the Hawk fans want to fire the coach him because we are, we haven't had one in seven years. We haven't been an elite team in 10 years. We, we have a defensive minded head coach that can't build a good defense. Can't even build an average defense. It's got many losing faith. Standard, frankly, fans shouldn't spend a dime on this franchise until there's change. I don't think that's going to happen, but I know where you're coming from with it. Charcoal, bad in old defensive schemes. When you're in a soft zone with receivers or running backs 10 yards from you, the velocity of that receiver when he hits you will make it difficult to put them down. Great point. Yeah, when you allow a, a modern NFL player with the ball in their hands to get that build-up speed, it is hard to take them down to the ground, to your point. Yeah, well said. And strange how so much of our zone sometimes seems to be dropping to a spot that comes nowhere near to actually covering anybody. You're just dropping to this space, but you don't actually go find anybody when you drop into space, even when there's guys near to you. Noah says, and the fans that are going are either new or don't care about winning a Super Bowl and are content competing every year and merely making the playoffs. Well, I can at least attest on this, Noah. The folks in most of the, in my chat that I've seen, a lot of the interactions I've had recently, I think a big reason, Noah, that you see a big uh, segment of the fan base kind of checked out halfway into the season when they start to see some of the signs on the, on the wall. I think that that's an example of the fact the fans do care and are well aware of what they're seeing from this team and where it's headed and, and not necessarily in the greatest of states. Michael, would it be necessary or at least ideal to have a new coach? In, oh, I sorry, answer that one. Kevin O'Connell. So yeah, fire Pete, but do we keep John Schneider? It would be my belief that you probably keep John Schneider, Kevin, because I think that he's done a very good job drafting, and I think even the money that he spent this past offseason wasn't bad money. I mean, even on Draymond Jones, you had to move Draymond to the outside because you didn't get the progression from Daryl Taylor and Derek Hall wasn't ready. But uh, some of this also is a little bit about unwinding and understanding why some of the mistakes that have been made have been made as far as guys that you've drafted and traded for and, you know, be it like a Jamal Adams trade. Was that a big John Schneider move or was that more of a Coach Carroll move? You know, I think that's an important question to be asked at this point in time. I have a hard time of seeing John really driving that move and make, trying to make it happen. That seems to be more of a Coach Carroll desperately trying to make it happen because he's got a problem in the safety position and he's got a problem with his pass rush. But I don't know. Kind of would have to be in the background, Kevin, to know that answer for sure. I would lead to be saying yes, because he's never actually had a chance to hire his own coach. Charco says, turn off the and music during practice. You guys are getting soft. Well, you aren't getting the past few drafts have shown that Pete has had the control over OT or John hasn't had the control of the draft until these last two years. He's hit so far. I think, yeah, John took some control back in the draft a couple years ago. Brian E says, you know, I hear this crap from fans every single time they lose fire, everybody uh, trade, everybody draft this draft that you want to be disappointed. You've earned it. But 90% of this is crazy talk. I, I guess you'll have to kind of fill me in on the crazy talk aspect, Brian. Um, you know, for me, a guy that I've, I've led with throughout the whole course of this year with even on the worst of the losses and saying, you know, I'm holding off until the end of the year to get to the point of saying it's time to fire Carroll. There's certainly plenty of people in my chat saying fire Carroll now. I'm done with him and, and I'm, I'm driving to that point. But I think he's had a good amount of time here in things going wrong for people to come to this conclusion. And I guess 
you feel that way about it, it not being right or that you mentioned it's crazy talk, just as I say with this, the folks that are, and I'm looking for the Carol supporters in here to give me this, give me something about Carol that goes forward for us to draw the optimism, folks that are finding themselves out on him and don't make it. He built the Legion of Boom 10 years ago. That doesn't, that doesn't do anything with the here and now. Don't make it about, well, who else are you going to hire? That has nothing to do about the optimism we should have in Coach Carroll going forward. How do I have faith in a guy who won't change his scheme on either side of the ball? And it's not just defense, it's offense too. This offense may have found some success over the last two years, but it's finding its success doing way more things they used to do offensively in 2017, 18, 19 with Wilson than they are with really doing things that you would do within a Rams-style offense that Waldron came from. He's not going to draw back on those. He's not going to stop that implementation of the scheme. For instance, Brian E., who was asked this past week about why is it your team throws outside the numbers more than any other team? Why is it your team is most scared to throw to the middle of the field than any NFL team in the entire league? And coach wouldn't answer it. Why wouldn't he answer it, Brian? Why wouldn't he answer that question? Why would he be evasive about it? Because maybe he knows that the answer is probably BS. And that you can't just as an offense or defense wholly cut out places on the football field. You're neither either going to defend nor attack and expect that you're going to be able to maximize your team in the modern NFL. It's not going to happen. Uh, Seahawks ruled uh, appears Green Bay will probably win tonight and we need Green Bay to lose next week no matter what. It's going to be a tall task. We need Green Bay to lose last year though and it worked, I guess. Steve, I woke up this morning knowing we would lose today. Not shocked. Probably you're the only one making sense. Oh man! So Brian, you're doing the, the very thing that you that I I predicted you would say is the next thing. So you're responding to Siak, duh. Oh, never mind. Bears. Yeah, we are a Bears fan. I, 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 I truly can, it's not lip service here to the, to the Carol people that are believers. You can bring me to your stance, but you've got to bring something to net. We're in the year of 2023 of our Lord. It's not 2013, 14. You know, what, where do we find the optimism going forward in them? Just give me something tangibly within it here. Um, and I think because I haven't, you know, I'm two hours in this show and I've yet to see anything that's not bone. It's just bone and not meat on this subject, that it's just the reference back to 10 years ago or the fear of, the next coach won't be able to be as good as this coach. There's no way. There's not really anything in there on the, on the optimism on that I'm getting from the chat. And I'm reading every message just about here. Red X, uh, what has to happen for us to sneak in the playoffs? We're going to need the Green Bay Packers to lose next week. Full stop. Uh, Thomas, I don't have any opinion on Michael Pratt yet. I haven't had a chance to take a look at him. I think Jordan Travis is a really fun player. Uh, one guy that you're going to grab who I think he's a bit of better. He's like a better version of DTR last year coming out of UCLA. And uh, he's got the size limitation stuffs, but he still has a good arm. And he's going to probably recover fully off of that injury that he had, which was a, a, a pretty dicey one he had at the end of the year. You're going to have to probably wait a while to get, get him back fully ready to go on a football field. 
Um, but you get him in the fourth round, that might be some tremendous value to get a guy like Jordan Travis, fourth, fifth round. Um, he's, he's got some stuff to work with there as far as a player. He's, he's interesting. But I haven't had a chance to look at Michael Pratt. I'm sorry. Travis is fun. Travis is kind of maybe the closest quarterback in this class to Wilson-like. You know, if not him, maybe Jaden Daniels a little bit. But uh, Jaden's got at least kind of more of the height, whereas Jordan Travis has got a little bit of that undersized thing going on. Austin, the Packers win there the seventh seed. Yes, Austin, that is the case. Robert says the next head coach of Seattle doesn't have to have a specialty, offense or defense. The head coach should hire great offense and defensive coordinators and oversee his coaching staff. Well put. Tommy says, I don't want us to take a quarterback. If Pete is the coach, he will ruin it. He will ruin it. Joel Tilson, I don't know if Pete would become a team executive. Probably more of a consultant. A consultant. Not Vexo. Hope we get Chris Jones. He will be a free agent this offseason. Joe Pesci says, Pete's saying he needs to look at the tape to see why the tackling was so bad when it's been bad for literally years. Tells you all you need to know if Pete should remain coaching. You're right, Joe Pesci. I agree with you. Please no, Dan Quinn. No more defensive-minded head coaches. I agree there. I'd, I'd just like to move on to something new. Purple Orca, as a Steeler fan, if Steelers would have lost, the talk would have been exact same for the Steelers and Tomlin. Well, I think that we're dealing with some similar issues with either both of these teams. I think when you look at both of the head coaches in, in charge right now, Purple, um, it starts to make a lot of sense why the talk is very similar. Because you have long-tenured head coaches. As we were speaking earlier in this chat, there's kind of a thinking out there that sometimes coaches can just get to a place of being stale. I mean, Coach Carroll's mentor, Bill Walsh, said that he just felt like any coach that got to a place of being in one spot for 10 years, you just your message eventually gets to be tuned out. Just It just naturally kind of happens, even if you're still a great coach. Walsh was still a great coach at the end, but just sort of seemed to, eh, maybe starting to feel that that message wasn't quietly getting you know as heard as it once was. And, and probably had some other reasons that he decided to, to go along with it. But um, yeah, defensive-minded head coaches, long tenured, message getting a little bit stale. Um, teams kind of, you know, I think look at a lot of the defensive mind head coaches. They think you can find some, some threads that connect between them and how these coaches run those teams and how that then can hold those teams back in a couple of different ways that extend outside of just the defensive side of the ball. Thomas, would you build around GSN and use DK as trade bait so you could grab a receiver and also stud quarterback, guard, and linebackers? No, I'm at a point where I keep DK at this point. I, I keep DK. I don't. I'd move JSN before I'd move DK. I don't see any. I don't see it. Uh, he's maybe one of the best players on our team right now. And we we got a lot of failing parts. That's not one. I don't want to get rid of that. Especially a guy that's still only 26 years old. Just turned 26 years old. Jenny uh, Bamford says it's time for a quick change, coach, and a future change. Quarterback. Well said, Jenny. Well said. Michael, should it be a new coach or a new general manager? My my feeling is coach because I think the coach has had a lot of overriding decision power over the top of the general manager throughout most of the time that Coach Carroll has been here. And I think that some of these bad decisions we can backline a little bit towards Carroll a little bit versus Schneider. But uh, that would be my tendency would be to lean in that direction and say, 
go with the, uh, let him ride, let him hide, hire his next head coach and see what he can do. Joel Tilson, will Jamal be released next year? No, he's going to be released this off season with a post June 1st designation. What that means is that his dead money is going to be chopped up between two years. So you sustain a $10 million dead money hit this year and a $10 million dead money hit next year, but you save $16 million on the cap this season. So uh, the Hawks will save that money and no doubt they'll move off from him at that point in time, I would think. I feel pretty confident actually about that. Philip Castle, it's unbelievable to me that a run-oriented team doesn't keep a good offensive line coach. Head scratcher. It's a lot about, a lot about this team, Philip, that said it order runs counterintuitive a lot of the time. And frustratingly so. Thomas says, I love Pete, a first ballot Hall of Fame head coach, but it's time to change. And if Pete won't change, then he needs to go. Amen. Amen. Alexander says, John gets two years to build a division winning team with a new coach. If not, he's gone too. It's fair enough. Justin Goins, how much do we owe Gino next year? If you cut Gino, it will cost you $17 million or seventeen or $18 million of dead money hit next year if you just move off of him. Trade or cut. Thomas Cox, if you if you were a head coach specialist and it's not working, why are you here if it's not working? If I was Brandon, I would put a bag on my head too. <laughs> I love that he did that. Brian E says, we haven't hit on UFA since 2015, save for Big Cat, and Big Cat wasn't a UFA. Yeah, that's a fair way of putting it, Brian. I can't think of who you've... You know, you've had some good, you've had some good value signing deals, but you haven't really hit like you're saying, right? Bradley McDougal's a good value signing. Jaron Reed's a good value signing this offseason, but you haven't, you haven't hit necessarily. Stewart says, I'd like to have a head coach who holds players accountable more than tries to be their friend. Me as well. Thomas, I bet with Schneider and Pete not meddling, this team would be better than it actually is, especially if he got his pick on head coaches. That's why one of the reasons that I lean to staying with John Schneider. I have that same instinct. Joel, I don't think Lockett will be retiring. No. I think you'll probably get one more year of lock, at least. Not Vexo. Is John Schneider a good general manager? Because I feel like he doesn't want to let go of Pete. Well, remember, not Vexo. It's always a little gray here between the relationship of Pete and John. John's not a pure general manager who has oversay over Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's the vice president. So Pete Carroll actually has the ability more to fire John than John has the ability to fire Pete. So he just doesn't have that power over Pete in that way. Remember here, not Vexo, Pete hired John. Pete, the head coach, hired John Schneider, the general manager. A bit odd, but that's, that's kind of the dynamics there at play a little bit. It's going to have to come from Jody on that one. You relax. People need to stop being scared. If he can't win a Super Bowl, he needs to leave. Simple as that. I agree. I'm not making any decisions based on fear in my approach. That's not, that's not going to get you anywhere. Certainly not going to bring you to the promised land. Lou says, I blame Pumpkin. She, she predicted uh, 12 and 5, and I agreed. I know. Pumpkin sold on us this year big time. Too much salmon. Way too much salmon. 
Thomas says, I'm not saying DK, it's more for discussion purposes, but Pete may get disparate and actually ask Schneider to trade him. Uh, there's no chance, Thomas, that DK Metcalf gets traded this offseason. He would incur a $23 million dead money hit if you were to move DK Metcalf. That's also understanding that you're already going to be moving on from Brian Monet, moving on from Jamal Adams, probably moving on from Dwayne Eskridge. You're already going to be a good, you know, 15 to 20 million of dead money on the cap as it is. So to move DK Metcalf when you're going to save an accumulative $1 million of cap space by moving off of him and sustaining a $23 million dead money hit, there's no way DK gets moved this offseason. And I, I hear you coming from on the discussion of it. And I've even been open to, to kind of thinking about it a little bit more seriously at times in, in recent weeks. But the more I watch DK play this year, the more I think about DK here in Seattle, the more I say that this is not the type of player that you move off of. This is a player that you build around. This is a player that you do make a cornerstone. And uh, I hope the team does so. Jack Yarno says this team is soft. Mullen has to be benched. Jack Torrance says Pete's not going to be gone next year. That very well is probably going to be the case. Alexander defense has zero fire. Hurt is a bum with a sorry scheme. Walvern doesn't have an ounce of creativity. Pete gets the boys fired up, but they don't execute. If Pete stays, we need all new coaching staff, and Pete needs to be nothing but a game manager and an inspirational speech giver. <laughs> Good stuff, Alexander. Uh, funds. This reminds me of last year when people were happy with Draymond signing and didn't want Jalen Carter, who would have helped stop the run. People don't know everything that happens in the building or NFL. Um, no, no, uh, that's true. Yeah, Thomas. John Schneider's under Pete. That's definitely the most important part of that dynamic to keep in mind. Rob's, I'm just sick. Nothing to say. Just sick of the soft coverages, tackling, play calling. I'm sick of it all, man. Uh, fun says the NFL decided we weren't going to be the face of the NFL when we have a better team. The NFL won't screw us with penalty. GLP says that Mora team also had tackling issues. Tough. Songs guy 23, love the channel. Another peep problem is he will never prioritize offense. No. And that's the issue with having that defensive-minded head coach, I feel like, that is that you just will never get them fully buying into prioritizing the offense because they're going to want to keep their defense shiny and bright and chrome. And uh, sometimes you need to lean in the modern era into that offense, especially when that's where really the majority of your talent is currently at on this team. But that's a little bit of the, the counterintuitive nature of this team is that we don't always lean into what we do well. We don't always lean into what should be the strength of this team. We lean into what the philosophy for how Carol wants to win games and build this team, and that's going to override all of that. When I think that it, it becomes something that's inhibiting as a factor on the team more than it's helpful going that approach. Tom says, uh, heck, if Schneider had his way, Russ would have been traded years ago. He was gunning for Allen and Mahomes. Carroll's loyalty is a problem. Holding on to Sherm, Cam, Earl shows who's in charge. Loyalty is a tough thing in the NFL anyway, Thomas, I'd say. I mean, I, it may be a problem here with Carroll too. I certainly think that it comes into play when we talk about always looking to bring back former players and that, you know, looking for those outside answers. Everything's got to kind of come in-house. Um, it gets leaned on a bit too much, your point on that. 
Tommy Eden says, I wear a Seahawks wedding ring and I'm ready for Pete Carroll divorce. Let's see other people at least. It's an open marriage now, right, Tommy? <laughs> Ray Bans, Pete is still a good co head coach. He just needs to relinquish some power to a defensive coordinator, not under his coaching tree. That certainly could help him out quite a bit, Ray. The question on that comes in, is that is that something that Coach Carroll is ever even willing to come close to, to doing? I don't think that there's a lot of reason to believe that that's something that's in Coach Carroll's wheelhouse, that that would be a no-go territory for him above all else. James, uh, I, love Pete Carroll, I love Pete's culture. Scheming game prep needs to be better. Pete needs to cook. Dana Jones, I have a question. If Green Bay Packers won the game tonight, Seahawks will win the play will playoffs. If Green Bay Packers win next week, Dana, we're out. If the Green Bay Packers lose next week and we win, we're in. We lose and they lose, they're in. Thomas says, plus I'm pretty convinced that Penny wasn't Schneider's pick. Collier, trade for Adams. That reeks of Carroll. Agreed, Thomas. I think honestly, even the Jordan Brooks selection is one that to me, Carroll was pushing for. But Hard to say. That's one of those ones that someone said above. You, those are background behind the uh, scenes conversations that you just don't know what the the real truth of the matter is on those. You know. Herberside says Carroll doesn't offer too much as coaching authority anymore. His defense is bad. He can't run an offense. Why do we have him? Question I'm making the argument is like, what part of, what is it that he does to make the good coach right now? You know, I guess you can mention culture. I'll say the thing about culture is it's hard to measure, right? Uh, smiling faces, I guess, are indicative of a culture. Um, and not having people doing, uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, that, that the culture thing to me is, is one that's a hard one because it's very vague. He's pro player friendly. I know that, but it's again about what's effective and what's actually beneficial and helpful or or a hindrance. Justin says, why haven't we seen Megan around tonight? Where she, I, you know, she's in kind of recuperating mode right now. She's had some stuff she's been dealing with physically going. I'm sure she wouldn't necessarily love the uh, Carol talk and where it's probably at tonight either. If I may say. Yeah, Thomas, you're with me. You don't think you'll relinquish that power. I just, I don't think you would either. George uh, Var Varghese, let's face facts. He won one chip with dominant teams. He should have been fired a long time ago. That was my maintenance on this, is that if Allen was still alive, Paul Allen was still alive, that that would have happened. And that's why I say when we get to this pot here, this isn't a reactionary point of view. This is one that many of the people that arrive at the stage, myself included, of being finally kind of at getting to the point of being out on Carroll, taken us a while to get here. We have been longtime supporters and proactively like, I think he can get this done. But the more you take in more data, you don't just get stuck on a point of view or a bias of a situation and say, this is what I think. And now I'm not going to move off this spot. You continually take in more data as you are to receive more data. The more games that are played, the more another season of play that you get, that's more data that you should be taking into account in your assessment. And that's, I think, what many are doing here with Carol when they're reaching this kind of stage of things. Audie Bellis is the fear of Jim Moore Jr. It's that fear scratching at the back of you. Thomas says, I was surprised they beat the Titans based on how the teams have shown the lack of motivation. Yeah, they were a little more fiery last week than this game. 
just weird because you're on the road at 10 a.m. Clinton Rice, he's a Seahawk. He's what our team stands for. Would hate to see him go. Oh, DK? Yeah, me too. Jim Robinson says, if the Seahawks need to depend on the Packers to lose next week, then the Seahawks don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Well said, man. Stuart, it's not hysterical to want to blow it all up. Pete's not getting us to a Super Bowl. What's the point of hanging on? Agreed, man. He ain't getting you there. What's the point of hanging on? Jeffrey, thank you for the $5 donation and all your donations today, Jeffrey. I appreciate you for that, ma'am. I hope you're having a good night. Does this delusional optimism you're seeing is very Seattle? Why don't I think John Harbaugh plays well in Seattle? One video of him going ape. One of him, one video of him going ape the outrage. Oh yeah. Where he's freaking out on the sideline and people are going, man, he's just so temperamental. At Harbaugh, gosh, that's so temperamental. Though I think that that's one of those cases, Jeffrey, where winning cures all. And I do believe that you give a guy like Harbaugh this roster with this talent, um, he would find a way to, uh, he would find a way to get you some winning football happening pretty right quick, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I, I think that there's the the optimism is is okay to have. I've had optimism many times in the past covering this team, but I've always based it on something and having it. And right now, it's getting harder and harder to find the points that I can base those off of with Coach Carroll. In recent years, I used to always be able to say, "Hey, the team maybe." schematically behind the eight ball every week, maybe getting out coached on a weekly basis, but hey, at least they play really hard for Coach Carroll. They play as hard as him as they do for any coach in the National Football League. But yet now we find ourselves at times this year during the season where I say, I don't know if all these guys are playing as hard as they could for Coach Carroll. I don't know if he's got complete buy-in here across the board. And so he's, he's kind of lost some of the things that were part of his good bag. He's always had the bad bag things like undisciplined football. Always a bit of a thing you're going to give the Coach Carroll teams. But you had the good bad, they, good bag things to go off of too. And just bit by bit through the years, one at a time, those items have been pulled from that bag and put into the bad bag. And it's hard to see him just suddenly start to retrieve those items, you know, to reverse it, if you will. But Jeffrey, thank you for the uh, $5 dono and uh, also well said on your part, man. Ray Band says the only optimism thing, the only optimistic, optimistic, I'm sorry, Ray, I'm butchering my, my mouth here. Here we go. The only optimistic thing I can say is we are not terrible. He hasn't lost his touch to where the team is terrible. If he can humble himself and realize he needs to adapt, he can succeed again. Certainly, I think that's maybe a spot that's a valid place to talk on. It's a good point on your part, Ray, that maybe there's at least a floor that Carol gives you as far as the team, that maybe he doesn't have the upside of a, of a 11, 12 win team, but he's also going to give you the floor of a six, seven win team minimum. Um, you know, I don't know if that to me is going to bring a lot to me as far as value, but I think it's a valid point on your part is that, that he can bring that. I think the thing with this Ray, when it comes to humbling himself and realizing he can succeed again on the back of taking his hands off the reins on the offense and defensive side of the ball is that he came to this, you know, come to Jesus moment two years ago, you know, he, and it's, it's there in his wording in that press conference at the Combine where he's talking about being arrogant in his approach and needing to change their ways and holding on to the old for too long. You know, he gave you that moment of, okay, I, I see I got a problem. You know, it's, it's an alcoholic that you go and you have the intervention with. And he's like, okay, I hear you. I love you guys. I love you. I, I hear you. I got to stop drinking. I got, you're right. I got to stop drinking. And then literally a week later, he's got a bottle in his mouth for the next two years. 
And he's looking at you after two years and he's like, yeah, sure. I'll stop drinking now. I don't know. I think he likes being a drunk. You know, comes down to it. He just, he just likes drinking. He can tell us what he's going to tell us, but it's, they always say actions speak louder than words. Joel Tilson, we need a young offensive genius as the next Hawks coach. I would love to get that. BLVK says, question, Brandon, are you holding on to any hope? I've lost pretty much all hope at this point. I, I have. I'm going to root for the team next week. I'm going to root for the team to do well. I don't root for the team to lose. Um, but when it comes to hope and when it comes to this two-year period winding down of assessment, when I look back at Carroll, understanding again, two years ago, I was at my wit's end. Two years ago, I was like, I, I've just pretty much seen enough here. The man won't change any of his ways. He's not adapting or modernizing anything. And now two years later, that remains the case. I, I can be brought up hope. I'm hoping my chat can have something. I'm two hours and 12 minutes into my live stream show tonight. No one in the chat on the pro Carol side has been able to give me anything but, well, there's three things let's point to that I've been given. Let's, let's, be, let's be, one, he won us a Super Bowl and had the LOB 10 years ago. Doesn't do anything for me in the here and now whatsoever. I can revere Coach Carroll. I can appreciate what he did 10 years ago. I can call him the best coach in Seahawks history. I can sign up when they say, should we have a statue out in front of the stadium for Coach Carroll? Hell yeah. Doesn't have anything to do with this team being elite going forward. The other thing that gets mentioned is the culture, which I don't know what that really values up to when he doesn't actually have players playing hard for him on a weekly basis. Seems like if you had a really good culture that would have those players playing hard for that coach if they were truly bought in, but that's not exactly what we're seeing on a weekly basis. And then he's got a good floor of a team. Like he's not going to get you to have a bad team. He'll at least bring you to a, a seven win team that can be in the dance for the playoffs on a yearly basis, bare minimum. But none of those things, that's about as good a bright as I've gotten today on this stream in two hours. And I, I got to be honest with you, that's not a whole hell of a lot for me to go on and finding optimism in Coach Carroll as we move forward. Clint Rice, who do I want as the head coach of the Hawks? If Carroll left, I would want Harbaugh. But it wouldn't have to be just him. I would be open to a, a, a variety of different potential candidates. New Black says, how about we don't move on from either GSN or DK? That works for me too. Thomas says, shoot, once Walsh left, San Francisco won a Super Bowl. So it can go up if a legendary head coach leaves. It is. They won it uh, directly, what, a year, within a year or two after he left. Uh, they got back and won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Or maybe not a year. It was a couple of years, I guess. But they did get back. Greg says, Brandon, I like Jordan Davis a lot. I was watching more film of him after your last dream, and he has a natural power despite his size, which I like. And I think he can add a little more weight to his frame. I, I do too. That's why I like him as a comp to, to Wilson, because he's got that natural escapability in the pocket but then he's still got the, 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 the reasonable plus arm strength that he's bringing rather than the light kind of powder puff arm you'll get from some of these scramblers at times. He's very, very creative in the pocket as well, um, which, is, which is awesome to see where he can, he can improvise back there, extend plays, play off script Greg, something that we've seen the benefits of. And I really like the value you get him for. And I'm, it's bad he got that injury and you sustained it. If he didn't have that injury, I think he's probably going somewhere in the neighborhood of a like, the top to middle of the third round. This probably drops in more fifth, fourth or fifth round range. But if he is going to recover 100% from that injury and come back from it, then that's going to be great value to go get that guy in the fourth or fifth round because you might end up finding your franchise quarterback there. 
Uh, Lou says the Hawk's Nest. Christopher Walken impression on the shit tackling. I've watched a lot of football in my life. I have Sunday, always on the red zone. Skull, skull, skull. I love it. Yet, when I watch my team, the Hawks, play, I want to tackle. Nobody wants to wrap up. Tell me why. No, I don't know why. You tell me. Nobody wants to tackle now or ever. Carol, I see you. You're not tackling at all well. Is he teaching it? No, probably not. They're watching movies, maybe. Mine. I don't know. You explain it to me, Lou. Shit tackling everywhere, every week, on the road, at home. Crowd, no crowd, no wrapping up. It's like the grease, I'm telling you, all over the field. The, the uniforms, the grease in them. My walking sucks right now. Uh, Pete, said, Pete is the same today as he was in 2011. He just had great players because he was fresh out of college football. The years of bad drafting and cheap region signing deplete the roster, and here we are. Here we are. George Varaguiz, how are the Rams competitive with zero salary cap space? They draft well and coach well, unlike the Hawks. That's right. They draft well, they coach well, player development, all of that is on point and it, at a much better level than what the Hawks are utilizing in all of those aspects of things. Joel, you have yourself a great night, man. Appreciate you. Robert Gregg, Gino isn't the problem on this team. How can people still not see that? Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that doesn't get brought up weekly and it's gotten frustrating for me too, Robert at times. It's been quieter tonight. I'll say Robert than we've seen in recent weeks. And, uh, that's good to see as I think it's more getting the spotlight put into the right direction after this loss. Justin says, cut Gino and replace him with cousins. No, there's no potential of that happening. Justin, um, cousins is going to make a monster deal. So he's going to ask for 50, $55 million a year, and he'll probably receive it on the open market. Uh, you have to spend, you'd have to cut Gino and eat $17 million of dead money if you cut Gino. So you're not going to sign that big contract and cut Gino at the same time. On top of, I wouldn't want to do it because I, I, I don't think Cousins is necessarily probably a little bit better than Gino, but I don't know. He's remarkably better than Gino and coming off the uh, torn Achilles and he's getting old. James Gordon, I'm a complete Pete Couch Camp. I am a complete Pete Couch Camp. Locked, loaded, standing by him to the end. The English boys were the last words to the crew of the Titanic. <laughs> uh, I like it, James. Let's go. Robert says, horrendous defensive scheme, no discipline, no drive to win, and an offensive coordinator that picked up too many stupid habits from Pete to be effective on top of not having any freedom. Succinctly put, Robert, beautifully put, on point on every one of those details. Every single one, man. I agree all the way down the line. Yui says, difference between Carroll and Tomlin is that while both are considered defensive specialists, the Steelers' D is still very good, and the Hawks' offense is pathetic. Seahawks D is and has been abysmal. There we go. Oh, uh, Steelers offense have been pathetic, not the uh, Seahawks offense. That's true. Carroll has not put together a good defense in quite a long time. Loose is almost time for New Year's celebration. Three more hours here. 
It's closing in. Clinton Rice, uh, Leonard Williams, not under contract. Clinton, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Clinton says, I mean, some of us wanted Jalen Carter at five, while others didn't want him because of the actions he did off the field. I'm just grateful Devin Witherspoon was worth the pick. And I was one of those guys that wanted Jalen Carter, but I'm, I'm happy with Devin Witherspoon as the pick. That's for sure. He says, if we went 10 and seven this year and made the playoffs, would you guys still want Pete gone? So for me, Steve, and I've, I've been super consistent on this, okay? Getting the results are nice, but beyond the results of the past two seasons, it was about growth and development. It was about those things two years ago, Steve, that I, I specifically can point to if you want me to, and I can go through line item by line item by line item, the things that we were hoping were going to start to be made improvements that have been longstanding issues that now today remain the same longstanding issues that have gone uncorrected nor have they had a new strategy put employed into place in order to fix those things. So where I came to, Steve, is I said, I'm going to take two years and assess Carroll on those things. Where Coach Carroll said, Steve, I've been arrogant in my ways. I'm not, this is not me blowing up his words or saying something he didn't. Steve, you can go back two years ago to the combine interview. These are straight from hit the horse's mouth. He said, we've been arrogant in our ways. We've held on to the old for too long. We need to update. We need to change. That's why I'm firing my friend, Ken Norton, my longtime friend, longtime coach with me as a linebackers coach. And that's why we're going to hire this defensive coordinator here because we need to make changes. We've been arrogant in our ways. So I ask you, Steve, let's, let's, let's turn around to you. What has changed defensively, schematically over the last two years, really? What has really changed in their approach? Not the four-man fronts, that's still what you get. Not the lack of blitzing, that's still what you get. Not the undisciplined football, that's still what you get. I mean, it's the same defense, so it's more about really, rather than just the results being we win another game or two or barely slide in the playoffs, it's about where this team is trending towards and whether or not they're addressing these long-standing issues. And by long-standing, I'm talking, Steve, seven, eight, nine years that you've been ignoring them. They've not addressed them, in my opinion. But that's why I also say that this isn't a place, Steve, that I've arrived lightly to in my assessment of Carroll here. This isn't a one-game knee-jerk reaction or a one-season knee-jerk reaction. This is a multi-year issue that's been sitting there glaring, staring us in the face. And it's why we only have, Steve, one win in the playoffs since 2017. And you had to scratch that one win out playing a third-string quarterback who only had half of a hamstring throughout the course of that game. Gibson, I think it's as much about the performances as the record. We cannot tackle, are undisciplined, heavily penalized, and lacking innovation scheme-wise. Beautifully put. Boom. Boom. Simple 1970. Pete's philosophy is not to get beat deep, but the NFL isn't that league anymore. It's a lot of quick throws and middle-of-the-field routes. That's right, simple. That's right. They're defending against a route that's no longer run very often. The nine route is, it's not dying out, but it's just being used at the least level that you've seen the nine route used in probably the last 40 years of football. And it's trending in that direction. The short passing attack, the getting the ball into your guys' hands and letting them create yak after the catch, that's where the game is going. Pace and space. Tommy, uh, Pete Blue, yet another timeout today. I'm seriously struggling to see why anyone sees, sees in this guy. What do we actually do well? Culture? What is, what is that even? What does that actually do to win Super Bowls? It's the thing I come to, man, is where I say, you got to give me something more than just the, the vague, right? Culture can mean something, but what does that tangibly mean? Like I say, when it doesn't mean that not every player is playing hard, then is that 
your have a great culture? Is it, is it having a great culture, just everybody's happy and smiling all the time? And that's, you know, and is, is that a value into that in winning and losing football games? Maybe, maybe. It's harder to put those pieces together though. And yeah, I saw the wasting the time out was silly there at the end. Try to gain a couple of yards to trust his defense, right? And you knew they were going to bang it in at that point. Save your timeouts. Joseph's team and fans are generally too nostalgic. We always, uh, we are always talking about 2013 and LOB and always happy to welcome back declining former players or keep players too long. Need to look forward. Yeah, well said, Joe. I feel the same way. I think we're, we're a very nice people up here in the Pacific Northwest. I think we're sometimes a little too nice. Um, and we got to be a little bit more willing at times to pull that trigger a little bit more faster. And it's great to love the players. But we always got to remember to your point on that, Joe, that you can love the players, you can appreciate the players, you can love the coach, you can appreciate the coach. You're rooting for the team at the end of the day. It's the team that you root for. Not a coach, not a player, it's a team. And it's what, what about, what's best for the team is really the question at play and should be always the question at play. Ahoy, Angered AB. If you haven't seen the uh, comments, the Ox podcast is down for a collab during this offseason. Also, New Year's with the Hawks Nest. Uh, I didn't see the comment in there, man, but I'm definitely down to, I'm down to collab with them for sure. Holy hand grenade. hundred percent, man. Uh, also New Year's with the Hawks desk. Holy hand grenade says, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make three more hours, man. That might be a bit, bit much for me with turning this loss over. And it's, I've got to, uh, I want to get, I want to save something for the tank. Cause I'm going to go live tomorrow for the Huskies game at five. So uh, tonight's going to be a night where, of course, I'm going to be going until probably about six in the morning on the wrap-up video. So I, I don't know if I'm going to quite go that late tonight. We'll see how, we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes. I don't know, though. That might be a bit, that might be a bit much on that one. Great stuff tonight, guys, on your, uh, on the chat. David says, I think this Bears will play spoilers next week. I hope so. But uh, I'll reach out to them, Holy Hand Grenade. I'll try to do some more collabs this offseason a little bit. You know, try to mix some things up just a, just a bit if I can. Baltimore Chat. <laughs> uh, Marcus says, next week if the Seahawks and Packers lose and the Saints are in. Hmm. Dark jokes that I can smell a bear's upset. They already got the first pick anyways. There you go. Someone said we play light skin football. <laughs> Herbicide says we have a team full of rookies. How come no one wants to tackle? I have no explanation on the tackle stuff. I, I know it's a league-wide problem, but I don't know why it's particularly bad here. Joe says ownership won't force any coaching change until ticket sales decline and viewership plummets. They only care about the cash flow aspect. Our loyalty is working against us and evolving this team. Certainly, Joe, you see this impacting the Mariners too, right? You know, I think one of the teams, the reason the Mariner ownership feels so comfortable to make the moves they've made this offseason is they know that the fans are going to show up no matter what. And I do love that about my Pacific Northwest brethren, that they do have that loyalty and will show up. But like you say, Sometimes it takes the empty seats to actually get active change. I don't know, Joe. You would think maybe it would have a little, 
might do more than just skim across the pond. Um, seeing that stadium today, seeing it a couple times this year with uh, the opposition's fan base and their colors all over the stadium. Please, Mac, I'm so pissed off right now. I hate Pete Carroll. <laughs> Dark joke, he's had his time. He's being stubborn. The, pet, the players don't even care to play for him anymore. We need youth. Watching stuff, says Pete, had us in the game against an injured but very solid Steelers squad. Run it back. 12th North Chad, hey B, it's your two-year judgment day for Pete after the cards game. It is, and I'm sure you're hearing where I'm moving with this. But like I say, I've, I've spent two years, the folks that want to say being I'm being reactionary, I've spent just about every stream that there's been any possibility that Coach Carroll was going to catch any shade in the stream, leading with every stream to say, and I'm saying it right now, I haven't come to the full conclusion yet, but that I'm not coming to the final conclusion yet. I'll give it the full two years to play it out. And one of the reasons I wanted to give it that two years out is for all those folks that would be standing there going, well, you're just going to be reactionary. No, I'm giving it two years. This ain't one game, one season, two years, and I was at my wit's end two years ago. So by my measure, I've been super patient in the process of waiting to get to this stage where I'm ready to now pull, pull the lever on this one, hit the eject button on this one. And it's heading in this direction. And it's pretty much almost firmly so there with one game left in these last two years. But I give it two years, man. I gave him a chance on this. I gave him an opportunity to come back and live to his word. All I'm asking, I'm not asking Carol to do anything other than just live to his word, live to what he said he was intending to do. We've got to get more aggressive. We've been stuck in our ways. We've been arrogant in our approach. These are the words of Coach Carroll two years ago. What has changed? And not one person in two hours and a half of doing this live stream or at any point in time through this year and all of the pro Carroll people that are out there have been able to supply me with one argument, with one tangible argument. You talk to me about Legion of Boom. You'll talk to me about a Super Bowl win. You'll talk to me about culture, which doesn't really mean a whole lot when you can't prove out what that meets out to you as far as wins and losses. We can talk about a floor, but the floor that he brings at a, a minimum six, seven win season doesn't take you anywhere to the contending status that we're trying to seek. That may be a beneficial thing, but it doesn't actually help you to reaching a contender status, does it? It helps you from being not a bottom dweller, but it doesn't actually help you to get into a contending status either. So yeah, it's a 12. It was a two-year point for me on this one. And when I arrive on it, that's the place I'm going to arrive. And you can be mad at me at Ford and you cannot agree with me, but don't say that I arrived here lightly. Don't say I didn't arrive here with a lot of support for Coach Carroll throughout this process and having his back and even at times having his back where it wasn't always well-earned and deserved at this end of this run, where there's a lot of evidence to be pointing to and the proof to being that he was staying stuck in his ways and not moving off of them. But we'll see. See how it plays out. Tommy says, that's what I'm saying. I have to pay money to watch Yacht games. It is a bad product. I'm not paying for that. doesn't mean I'm not a Hawks fan. Quite the opposite, actually. Yeah. I, I completely understand that. And I don't, I, I really don't like the, the folks standing out there telling other fans they're not fans if they don't do this or not fans of doing that. You know, don't tell another fan who is, who's not a fan. You know, you're a fan. If you don't choose to pay in this day and age when there's money to have to be shelled out and we're all having inflation through the roof, then that's understandable. But you're still a fan. You're looking at the situation, you're seeing a way. People can disagree with it, but it doesn't make you any less of a fan if you don't want to watch that product. Adi, Brennan, what is there to say that it is a team that got beat up at home with the playoffs on the line? 
There's some simple ways to put it, David. I was uh, one simple way I was going to was saying you you caused one punt in this game and no turnovers. You know, there's your their game with the like you say with the playoffs of the line. But your way was probably a better way of putting it. Is that you got a team that got beat up, that got bullied, got bullied at home with the playoffs on the line. What more is there to say beyond that? Well said. David Adams, Hawks match up better against Mr. Alligator Arm than unknown Steelers team. William says, let's change the uniforms too for cleaning house. Retire those awful action greens. Yes, please. Please. Clinton Rice, do you think Wilson's coming back is a real thing? I've heard some people throw that around. Uh, I don't really think so, Clinton. Um, I think Russ is probably going to get a job somewhere else, like in Atlanta or someplace that'll seek his services out. I, I think that he probably burned some bridges here that's just not going to allow for it to happen. Even after I did a recent show on this, discussing this, I've had some people reach out to me and in the background of things telling me that things are a lot more, were a lot more... The, the ruin was smoted to, to use uh to use a Tolkien reference uh in in Wilson's leaving and moving out the door and so that would seem to be that he's closed this up as being even a possibility to come back here at this point Gibson I think Harbaugh would embrace the challenge and bring success it just doesn't seem realistic with our ownership and how much power Carol has true it, it's a it's a shoot for the stars kind of idea, but I you're right. It's probably a little bit too far out, outside the lines to get there on that one. <laughs> Action Green are supposed to blurt the division, the division of the defense. BC Brandon, why are teams so good in the final moments and not the rest of the game? Why are our teams so good in the final moments and not the rest of the game? I think you're meaning mainly the offense. Um, I don't know if the defense is good necessarily at the end of games. Um, there's been some games they've been good at the end. There's been some games they've been not good. Offensively, I think that there's, that this comes back to a bit of the question Carol was asked this past week, BC, by Salk on, on uh, 710. And he said, you know, you... The telecast was telling us last week that you as a team throw outside the numbers more than any team in the NFL. And when it comes to the defense and the offense, we're very restricted in what we do. So offensively speaking, we don't work to the edges of the ground game, right? We don't do outside. We don't do any fly sweeps. We're, I don't think we got one bubble screen today. That's been a little bit of something we've run, but we haven't tended to. We don't do any outside zone runs. We don't do any pitch plays. We don't attack to the edges in the ground game, but except for but here and there. Likewise, when it comes to the passing attack, BCE, we throw more outside the numbers than any team in the NFL. So think about this in just general base terms. You have an offense through the majority of the game that's unwilling to work the edges of the, of the offensive line and run outside, and then they also do not throw short or to the middle of the field. And so when you're that restricted on the places that you're going to attack offensively with it, your offense will then be restricted and will probably then suffer in the respect of finding a lack of inconsistency throughout the game. So when it comes to the offense, that tends to be the case. Now, why it opens up at the end, your question, is because what do you start to do inside the two-minute warning? 
You start to be willing to work all levels of the football field. Suddenly, now you're throwing to the middle of the football field. Sometimes Now you're attacking on those post routes. You're, you're going to routes and running things that you won't run during the game. Why Coach Carroll doesn't want to throw to the middle of the field? Why that's such a danger zone? Why he doesn't want to run to the edges and, and test defenses into that way? That's going to have to be a question for Coach Carroll because I don't have the first damn clue. I don't know at all. I wish I did. Watching stuff. Mason Rudolph is a legit quarterback. Don't be confused by the Steelers' mishandling of him. Watching his OSU and limited pro tape. He pickings in those backs were a big test for our D. Banged up. Banged up at that. Oh, Rudolph played a great game. Very impressive. I also think we made it easy on him watching stuff. So, you know, when it's third and four and you've got a zone defense that's dropping into eight, nine yards, 10 yards of depth, at the front, that's the front stack of guys on your line and your coverage. And you're doing that over and over again on third downs. And then you see their third down success is where it was in this game. What, 50%? Fourth down, two of three. You made it easy on him. You didn't blitz him much. You stayed back in soft zone and you let him pick you apart. Remember with this watching stuff, we've seen over the last six years, backup quarterbacks coming in, pick us apart very often. As I was saying at the top of the show, there's a reason for that. You run a very simplified defense. A backup quarterback is going to play within themselves. They're not going to try to test their arm out too far because they're probably a little bit limited. That's why they're a backup quarterback. But they will take what you are going to give them, and they won't try to take too much. And that's what Mason did today. And uh, found success with it, just like many other backup quarterbacks in recent years. Colt McCoy twice over. Marcus Mariota. The Red Rifle. Dalton. I can go through a litany and list of guys that have taken down this defense and taken it down supremely so over the last few years. Grass Daniels, will Schneider remain if we were to move on from Pete this offseason? I believe he would. Pete's technically had more power than, than John. It's hard to necessarily you know, hold him to the fire if Pete's overriding him on some of the decision-making that he uh, is set to sometimes make. Jason says, would you rather make the playoffs or have a better draft pick? I don't think that the draft pick, it makes, I'd rather make the playoffs. The draft pick difference at this point is not going to be that much of a difference. Big Docs, Brandon, sorry to have to watch your hard work and love for the Hawks, have to struggle through the Hawks performance in 2023. That's all good. You guys have made it easier on me and here, Hawks, addicted to Hawks. You know, it'd probably be much more frustrating to have to experience this alone and uh, it's been a tough year, but it's been a great year here for the channel. You know, we've had some awesome growth. I've got some big plans here for the next year and what we're going to try to get done here on the channel is we just keep expanding. And uh, it's, uh, it's unfortunate we didn't get more happening, but uh, that's okay. That's okay. We still got a lot of talent to work with here and you never know what uh, might happen here in the future. New Black Seahawks currently at the pick number 15 at the moment. Okay. Dark joke, Malik Willis to Seattle next year. Hey, maybe. Everside, it's crazy that nobody wanted Lamar. Yeah, it is a little bit odd. I think in retrospect, nobody was sure if he was going to be able to transition into this offense like he has the modern offensive styling where, you know, he's able to go back there and be a kind of a pocket pocket quarterback and really play the position more traditionally. And then you had his mother as the, the agent and some of the difficulties in getting those negotiations going. Tragics, how do you feel about the Leonard Williams trade, especially since the second rounder is now gone? Well, it's, uh, some, of the, some of this is going to be determined on if you're actually letting him out the door, if you're able to re-sign him. Because I think if you re-signed him, I'm still okay with the deal at that point, Tragics, because 
I think it's very hard to find defensive tackles right now. It's become a position of scarcity in the NFL, especially to find good ones like Leonard Williams is. So if you can retain him, then I'm still okay with it, even though it was a go-forward move. It's also one that you weren't going to find a talent like him this offseason, I don't think, on the open market. If he walks, then it's not a good trade. And um, part of having some backing of the trade and being pro-Leonard Williams at the time was the fact that the team was making an internal assessment that they were just one part away. They were just that defensive tackle away from getting this team to being a contending elite type team. And they seem to have made a misassessment of that, which uh, does not speak well to neither the coaching staff or the general manager at that point that they so woefully um, overvalued or oversaw where this team really was at in their development. Blacks, Larry seeing is Saints Broncos third round would be literally right before ours at the moment. <laughs> Tommy says uh, Patrick Mahomes would win us zero more games. Attack the problem, not the scapegoats. Amen. Well said. Kevin O'Connor, happy o, uh, Kevin O'Connell says Happy New Year to y'all, Hawks. I've enjoyed your company through this last year, and I wish you all the very best in this upcoming shit show of 2024. <laughs> I do as well, Kevin. Well put, man. Well put. Not vexed, so I saw everything I needed to see in week one. No changes. I was worried about that too after week one. It was very dark after that in, in that discussion and talking about what we were seeing going on week one and that you just walked away from it going, my God, the same stuff, man. The same, the same stuff. Really? Not even a little bit of change? And that sadly does seem to be the way this is going to play out. Dick Doc, sadly, I want two things. One, get rid of Pete and his coaches. Two, tank next week's game. Can't waste talent like Reek Spoon, K9 OTs on Carol's stubborn strategy. True. Tragic says our defense hasn't been good since Obama's term. That is facts. Justin Goins says Pete's going to sign Matt Leinert and Reggie Bush in the offseason, getting the band back together. <laughs> never know. You never know. Um, Robert Jimenez, thank you for the uh, $2 donation. Says the Seahawks definitely played less than 54% today. That's a great reference to the Mariners. And uh, of course, that certainly is where that organization has got themselves firmly in. You know, they're nice and warmly in their spot with that, believing that they can just win a little bit more than they lose. They'll stack that stadium with well over 2 million people every year through the summer. And they're perfectly happy with that approach. And uh, you do wonder if a little bit of the Hawks here to a degree, not as much for financial reasons, but because of just being placated by being just sort of okay is good enough for us as well at this point. Um, from where the organization stands. And that's going to be a question that we're going to learn a firm answer to, Robert, this offseason. Dio Brando, we need an offensive-minded coach with fresh schemes, tired of skinny Pete. I would agree. Seahawks playing green. The Seahawks are an example of why you don't give the coach all the power. Not even John Schneider can fire him. It's not a, I don't think it's a good, a good approach. And I think that it's one that's going to become outdated in this league. And you're going to see very few coaches actually get that kind of power and control. At least the Mac, Pete Carroll is old and outdated. I blame him, not his trash defense. 
Uh, go in, Belichick is defensive coordinator, Peyton is OC. That'd be a hell of a team. Yeah, deal, Brandon. We got to pray for the Bears to win here. Tommy says, Pete reminds me of the coach on Varsity Blues when he lost his locker room. Nobody's buying in. Hell, they moved on from their legendary head coach and won the game in the movie. He variably get in that place. Gets there with all coaches at some point in time. Vince W says, Adam Gase is offensive coordinator, Jim Moore is defensive coordinator, and Urban Meyer is head coach. <laughs> Greg Kemp, they raised banners to celebrate past success. It's not a reason to keep Pete when he hasn't shown the ability to build a good or great defense in years, when that's supposed to be what makes him great. Well said, Greg. That's my standing on it as well. Impulse Gaming, I love Pete Carroll, but it's time. He's not as good of a coach as he used to be. I think we need a fresh new head coaching staff just to see where that brings us. I'm going to be very interested to see where this poll's at, but I think that that's going to be where the consensus is probably going to be at on this poll today, and that's where I find myself. Impulse Gaming, I love Pete Carroll, but it's time. He's not as good a coach as he used to be. I think we need a fresh new coaching staff and just see where it brings us. I just, that's a, where is I? And I think a lot of people are where you're at with this impulse where you didn't arrive here lightly. You didn't arrive here after just one game. It's after watching some things go down for years on end a little bit here. Kevin, I feel so torn about Bobby. Yeah, I do too. I think you just you played him too many snaps this year, not getting that defense off the field one too many times. Just things end up wearing down as the year has gone on. Well, Ian Grenade says, "B make the throwback uniforms permanent, but with the current Hawk logo, I'm with that. Give me the give me the old school jerseys in here every week. I am completely with that." GR15, every week we change our minds. Let's stick to one path. Y'all want to fire Pete, then you don't. Let's stick to one path. Fire Pete, uh, fire Pete, simple. I don't care if we win the playoffs and win a game. We got to go and we need a new offensive coordinator. Great camp, Brandon. Have you looked at Jordan uh, Birch and just seen Davis in the draft yet? I have not. I'm just re I just started re up uh, this past actually Friday getting back into uh um Jordan Birch. Gasheen Davis. So I'll write those guys down. Um uh, but I haven't had a chance. I'm just getting back into doing the tape dive now on these guys. So I'm a hundred deep. I did my count last night. I'm a, a hunter deep on my prospects I've scouted so far, but we want to get to of course about three. 330, 350, somewhere in that neighborhood when it's all said and done, if I can get to that spot. So start, I'll be starting to grind on the tape big time here as we go forward. But I'll take a look at those guys. Got them down. WH Recording is talking, taking points makes sense sometimes, but there were at least two times we should have gone for it on fourth. I think, yeah, you can make a strong argument at the times where you, you didn't have a lot of reason to trust the defense in this one, yet you tried to trust the defense. Well said, Recordings. I think I feel the same way on those. I dig docs. Do we draft a quarterback around one or wait until round three? If I was a betting man, addicted ox, I think we're probably going to wait to round two to three. I don't think that we take one in the first round, but 
All it takes is for the Hawks to fall in love with one. You know? And Fleece the Mac, I think Jaden Daniels is top 20 at this point. I don't think he's going to fall like Levis did. Remember with Levis, he was coming off a down season from his prior year. Whereas Jaden Daniels is coming off the Heisman Trophy. Heavy Metal Turtles, we need to win game big time. Yeah, we do. Daryl B, what's the cat doing? Man, she's sleeping. So we'll see what's up soon. You tired? Why are you so sleepy? Why are you so sleepy today? Why are you so tired? She's super sleepy, man. She's done. Heavy Metal Turtles says the Bears are going to win. I love the confidence. I hope you're right. SDJ says so the Packers have to lose to the Bears for us to have a chance. That's right. That is correct. It all boils down to that. Henry Diesel says, I say clear house, keeping Gino is staying mediocre and postponing the inevitable. Definitely the approach they take. He's a good player. I mean, he hasn't been super great for them this year. He's been just okay. Um, he hasn't certainly been pushing Fairmouth as the number one tight end, but a good blocker. I, according to what I was reading about why he fell in the draft, had to go back to the fact that he had something going on with his knee where they were calling it like a ticking time bomb. I don't know if that's really the case, but just what I heard. Clint Rice, I would assume he doesn't uh, doesn't through the middle because he preaches take care of the ball, so he doesn't want to throw interceptions. Where over the middle, it's more likely to happen. Yes, I do agree that he has the hesitancy to do it because he's worried about the interceptions, but that's where we get back to Clinton. A lot of our philosophy is based and driven off of a fear-based approach. You know, prevent the big ball, prevent the deep ball, prevent the deep ball. Can't allow the deep ball to happen. Your fear, fear of the deep ball opens everything else up underneath you. Um, likewise, fear of throwing up, throwing over the middle of the field for the interceptions ends up causing your offense to not be as productive as it could be. So there's also the, the, the price that it costs for doing those kind of decisions and making those determinations. And I don't think that there's a lot of really good, I don't think there's one great NFL offense, Clinton, in the NFL that takes a whole swath of the football field and says, we're not going to attack there because we're scared about turnovers. There is not one great offense, but I agree with you. But that's probably their approach that that's why they take that approach. It just doesn't make it still a sound philosophy or a sound approach. It still is really silly. We got a problem with the mic? Beep, boop, boop. My mic having a problem? Mic as bad as RD? Oh my goodness. Don't tell me I'm having issues with my mic now. Again, I just got this fixed. All right, hold on, folks. Let me try to fix it here. Mic check. Mic check. Hopefully that works. I am becoming a robot. I don't know why my mic got weird. Let me know if it gets a little bit more fixed up on this. Let me know if the audio is a bit better. God, I just got this thing fixed and the thing went toasty on me, huh? 
Is the mic okay now? Can I get a mic good now? Okay, good. Sorry, I don't know what happened with it there. I don't know what the hell happened with it there. Uh, Mick Furrow, Brandon, did you see Bo Melton had a good game for the Packers tonight? I know we have a lot of receivers, but it sucks we couldn't find a way to keep him. It does indeed. Um, you know, you had a kind of a deep, not a deep, deep squad, Mick, but, you know, you had DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, um, and, of course, Eskridge on the roster at that time, and so there wasn't a lot of extra spots there. You drafted two receivers between Dariq and Bo, and Dariq was the better player and what he gave you than Bo was. Um I mean, it sucks you couldn't have gotten more out of him, but it's kind of the risk you took by taking those, taking those two receivers and letting the value, value base of your board drive your board, you know? That's where you can sometimes end up if you let value be the big driver, be the thing that, you know, kind of carries the day for you in the draft as you end up maybe stacking a position super extra deep a little bit. Cool. Mic back. Uh... Yeah, it'd be embarrassing if someone asked start of action petition website to ask Pete to be removed or fired. Yeah, that would be pretty crazy. Deadline yesterday by Pete. Seahawk fans deserve better. Tanner Champion, really strange to see in other Seahawk communities a massive effort to blame players but not coaches, as if the coaches are not responsible for their players. I've seen some of that at times as well. There's, there's a variety of different, of course, opinions out there when it comes to the online hemisphere and, and like you say, the Seahawk communities that are out there in the different places in the way that they see this. And, um, uh, you know, it can be an either or thing rather than a both thing. But I have likewise seen there being a, a, a unwillingness at times to come back to the coaching on this to, to at times even point the thing at Coach Carroll. It becomes a little bit of a sacred cow thing. You know, how dare you challenge our great and revered Coach Carroll? How dare you? And it's like, well, what, what more evidence do you kind of need to stack up here to show that there's some failings happening here that aren't getting corrected, aren't getting addressed, and certainly aren't getting solved? But uh, I've seen the same thing out there a bit as well. Steve says, you're Mike. That's what happens when you diss Pete. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe so. Let's see. Uh, we've given this poll a good, good long period of time. Let's, uh, let's take a look and see at the poll results here where we're finishing up on, on this. I'd kind of like to see. Let's end this poll off. And get the final, final re results. So, final results of the poll here. We've got, how confident are you in Coach Carroll? The, in fourth place, tentative backing of the coach coming in at 4%. Then you've got at 12%, the second least 
run it back for another year. Total and ultimate confidence in Coach Carroll, 12% there. Losing faith in Coach Carroll, 26%. Hell to the no, retire or fire coach, 56% of the people in the uh, in this poll wanting to see Coach Carroll retire or fire. So if you take all three of the other answers, losing faith, run it back for another year, tentative backing of the coach, cobble those percentages together, they still fall short of where the majority lies on this and what they would like to see. Uh, this is about what I probably expected to see. Um, and really where you come down to on this, I think that really stands out here is that those that have either partial or ultimate faith in Coach Carroll of the audience tonight, you're looking at about 16%. And uh, I think that that does speak to a little bit of where the Hawk Nation finds themselves. 555 votes cast in this poll. Um, and now going into almost three hours on it, I, I think that that does kind of show a little bit of, of where Hawk fandom is at on this and, and um, why the confidence has been shaken. Why the confidence has been shaken. And Steve Caragua, I think uh, KJ's talked about, flirted about playing, being a defensive coordinator at some point. I don't know if he would, but uh, he's talked about it. Seems like an eventual path he might take. I dig docs. Sure hope that Reed from New Mexico is healthy for the start of the year. I'm fine letting love start. Would extend him, by the way. But cutting Adams and Diggs, we need another safety too. now too. Kobe. Kobe's had a rough transition to safety this year in the times that they put him out there addicted. I mean, I don't think he was even on the firmest of footing at, strong, at uh, slot. So I don't know if he's really going to be an answer out at safety. He'll certainly be a body that they can work in there. Um, I would expect them, I would expect them at this point addicted to Hawks with you got Jarek Reed coming back. Potentially Adams gets, Diggs gets cut. I know Adams is going to get cut. And then you let them all fight it out. Maybe even draft another guy somewhere between the first and fourth rounds, bring him into the mix as well and let them all kind of, let the best men sort of win, so to speak. Nice thing with uh, Love is that he can start at either spot, free safety or strong safety. So, you know, you can kind of, feel it out for whatever kind of works in around that a little bit. But I like Jarek Reed too. I hope he can bounce back. He he had some good moments. I think he was leading the team in special teams tackles when he went down. I think he was second in the NFL in special teams tackles when he went down with that injury. So uh, but getting him back wouldn't be bad at all. Dig Doc, someone needs to help decan his blocking fundamentals. Love his go get him block, blocking. Just has to stop being so handsy if that's a word. Yeah, you just got to release. He's okay to go in there and you can take the jersey and even get a grip of jersey on the inside on the player like that. The officials will let you get away with that. Of course, when you get it to the outside of the chest plate, you know, when you get to the shoulders, they're not going to allow that. But if you're on the inside, they'll tend to allow that. But when that play goes past you, like a tackle when a quarterback's leaving the pocket, right? When the ball carrier comes around to you, you've got to have that innate feeling to release that player, not pull, pull him back in a little bit like he did on Porter on that play. It's a little, just a tiny technique thing, but I think like Rand says, the blocking for DK is really fine. Um, and you at least, you, you like the fact you don't have to tell him to amp it up. It's, it's more about getting it just more refined down. You know? Please, Mac, I think, I think our newer fans like Pete Carroll a lot. We've been losing a lot since, for a whole decade now. It's time for change. Kyrian says, all this talk about sacred cows. I had some steak tonight and now I want more steak. Is that weird? No, steak's always good. It's always good. Ran the cut. I love Pete, but his time has come. Henry Diesel says one catch for JSN. Yeah, you weren't able to get him much uh, acclimated in today, Henry. A little bit more of going to the to Fant. 
felt like in this game tonight, uh, in today. Um, but also, again, it's part of it was that you got beat on the two to one time of possession here. The Steelers owned the time of possession. They owned the ball. Your offense just wasn't on the field enough to acclimate in all the playmakers. I think Docs, Brandon, yep, Seahawks website. Can't get decent microphone for sports writers at press conference. They're hacking your mic now. <laughs> Probably. Probably. I hope, I hope this is just a little thing. Mike's been doing good in recent weeks since I got it fixed, but better not act up again. Boomy says, Joey Porter tricked, tricked him to pretending like he was going after DK, after K9, making DK hold on to him too long. In reality, Porter was never going to catch up to DK9 at that point. It's all mind game and DK fell for it. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. It's the timing thing there, but yeah, you're, it's kind of the way that played out. I agree. Sean Proper, I'm not convinced Seattle moves on from Pete, but if they did, how would this job rank versus other potential openings? Um, I agree. I'm not totally sure they would either. Uh, it would be a better location than Carolina. I think Tepper's looked at as a bit of a head case as an owner. And I don't know if that roster's in the greatest of shape. Uh, especially with them trading their first round pick from last year. The uh, Washington team would be an enticing proposition with new ownership there, a big market. New England would certainly be, I think, a place that would be pretty, I, I think we'd be right there with with New England and Washington as being an, a, a desirable location. I think the Chargers will be a location would be desirable based upon probably an offensive-minded head coach that really likes the idea of taking on Herbert and uh, having the quarterback in place. And that might be as much a driver as anything else going on with the team itself. But it's all probably pretty close together aligned at that point with, you know, all got their, you know, LA Chargers ownership, maybe not as great. Washington, maybe you aren't as loaded up as the rosters like Seattle would be. You know, same thing with kind of New England, I would say. Ready to do the, the back over his head. Jeffrey Huggins, what's to really talk about? By some chance we make the plows, we won't even win one game. Sarcastically, go Hawks. Recordings, neither Pete or John are going anywhere. Ownership is in inertia until Jody sells. Very well could be the case with what we're looking at here, recordings. That's for sure. Henry Diesel, John Schneider gets a pass all the time. He's wasted a lot of picks. Uh, I'm not trying to give him too much of a pass here, Henry. Um, it's just hard to make the assessment out of him when his coach is his boss. When his coach has more power than him, that's one of the more unusual dynamics you have between general manager and head coach in the league and so it does get harder to say the buck stops with john when pete has some of that overriding decision making that he can make in part of the process um it's not to say john shouldn't be given a little bit of the feet to the fire as well on this but it's just a bit of i don't know for sure i would need to know in the background as to what's happening i could see pete carroll's coaching on the field i can see how uh, you're not pushing that forward I, it's harder to know as much with john especially when he's had two really back-to-back -back, in my opinion outstanding drafts um, but it's just tough to, tough to read on that one. Nick, is it better that Green Bay and Seattle play at the same time next week? I think you'd love to have Green Bay play earlier. Well, I don't think it makes a difference. Brian White, I don't think Lockett's done. I think he probably comes back for one more year. But it's, it's in possibility. He's going to end up this season, Ryan, right around where he was 
the last four or five years, statistically speaking. Rogers says uh, defensive line needs help while Pete is drafting 180-pound defensive to backs. Indeed. Dark joke, you're not going to be able to trade Lockett for picks. The, the dead money hit that you'd sustain by trading him is not going to make that happen, nor there's going to be any kind of real market for Lockett. Rand says Lockett has at most one more good year. I don't know if he'll settle into that savvy vet role. Tyler's still great. He just lost half a step. Yeah. I think he'll be fine for another year here in that kind of role. I think he'll find he's kind of already fit into that a little bit this year. Boomy says, hey, I missed uh, when you answered my question. What if we win against the Cards and Packers win against the Bears next week? Do Packers still take our playoff spot? Because at that point, we have the same record. Yeah, they have the tiebreaker at that point, Fumi. So if we end up as the same record as them, they would get in uh, over the top of us because of the way the tiebreakers break down. Because we don't have the common record between them, right? We didn't play, so there won't be that tiebreaker. I think it comes down to uh, conference record is the decider then at that point between us and uh, Green Bay, and that wins them out at that point. Unfortunately. ADL Williams says, go the Mariners route. Trade every starter and fan favorite for bench depth. <laughs> it's about the sum of the total of the parts, ADL. That's right. huh? Matt Calloway, P wants to break the record for the most wild card losses. He just might. I don't know. Is he on pace for that? I mean, we've had like five or six recently. Rodgers, to survive Pete's coaching, you have to have an elite defense and a running back like Lynch who runs through walls. Yep. You need, essentially, you need the elite talent that can overcome the simplicity of the scheme. So it's, you know, if you're, you're just 2% better than the team, you need to be kind of 10%, 15% better to overcome where the, de where the scheme's going to pull you back a negative percentage on its own. Rand the cut, DK's a threat to house a 13-yard slide at any time. We need to use him like it. Agreed, Rand. One of the reasons I've always said, I'm not looking at any way to get move off of DK. And I think the big things with DK is um, our inability to use him correctly. We have another game here where we got through three quarters and he had had three targets. One of those targets was knocked down at the line of scrimmage, so he didn't even have a chance to catch it. The other two targets he caught for 52 yards. You know, And then you finally got back around him to the late third, early fourth quarter, but... You certainly don't feature him. You don't, you know, put him out there and, and really try to, you know, maximize him for all it's worth. He's just kind of, you know, it's kind of there where you'll go to him there occasionally. But there's a lot left there to go out there and take advantage of, I think, in his play. Tommy says, I got an idea. Hear me out. Pete has a couple of years left on his contract, right? What if John could trade Pete for a second round pick, recoup our Leo Williams uh, investment and fix the defense in one move? It sounds great in theory. I don't know, Tommy, which team out there is going to trade for Coach Carroll at this point. I, I don't know if exactly his reputation out there is as great on, on being a guy that would be an answer for some organization. Um, so I, and, and a well, as well with this, Tommy, too. Pete said a couple times over, this is his last stop. This is his last destination. He's looking to retire after this. He's not looking to coach any further. He was thinking about retirement in, I think, 2018. So uh, he's not going anywhere else. Pretty confirmly, pretty firmly say that. Steve says, Brandon, I truly appreciate your knowledge of this team and your opinion and the opinions of everyone here. The future of this team is totally unpredictable, whether it's with or without Pete. Well, I appreciate the discussion from you too as well, Steve. I, I, I really do love having different perspectives and views in here. And I might push back on you at times if I have a different view or outlook, but no matter what, the different views are always appreciated in here, whether it's agreed with or not, because 
That is what rounds out the perspective. That is what challenges our ideas. That's what gets us, in my opinion, Steve, closer to the truth at the end of the day. And if I'm trying to say what I'd like to accomplish with this channel, more than creating a fan channel where I wave palm palms, it's more about trying to maybe get to the ultimate truth about what this team is and where they're at. You know, what, where we're heading into the future, you know, to, to as accurately as assess that as, as much as possible. And you kind of need to have all of the perspectives brought into view to be able to get, I think, that kind of clarity in my opinion. But I do appreciate the discussion as well. Ryan White, how noticeable was the drop on the D line every time Williams wasn't in? They attacked in the ground game a couple of times and made their way a few times when he wasn't in there because they were having to rotate out with the way the time of possession stuff Ryan was flipping. And you were having to kind of keep in mind of that as defensive coaches to keep those guys fresh throughout the course of the game. So, you know, it's, it was attacked when they went out and there was success to be had within there. I think well, you, you'll see the proof of that is especially on some of the PFF grades for guys like Miles Adams and backups coming in there, defensive tackle. Cam Young, I don't think, played a particularly good game. Happy New Year, Steve. Uh, WH Recordings, at the end of the day, these last two seasons after trading Russ, we're always going to be drafting rebuilding years. So we've kind of outperformed expectations and have some nice pieces. There's definitely it's two different things on this. I'd say recordings, like you say on this, there's a talent and there's a scheme. And certainly from a talent perspective, you have restocked over these last two years and you put a team together that should be able to contend here in the near future. But my, my push on it would just be recordings that no matter how much talent you put on there, this scheme's going to so thoroughly hold them back across the board offensively and defensively. It's not going to matter how much talent you put on this team. They're not going to be good enough to really reach that elite status. They've got to have a coaching staff and scheme and philosophy that seeks to maximize the players rather than force fitting the square peg into the round hole, which is a little bit too much of what we're doing right now. Henry, uh, it's crazy both Wilson and Pete's careers fading off simultaneously. I'd wondered at the time, you know, we'd always said at the time, is it Pete? Is it Wilson? Who should we back? Who should we go with? I'd always wondered if maybe not the, both those two guys should have just both recognized they were with their best together. And uh, we'll see where they both end up here on that. Tommy says, I know I, I know I was joking, but it would be such a John thing to do something like that. That's kind of evidence the drafts were mostly Pete because John would get clowning for nothing mid-year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I feel you on that too. Yeah. <laughs> it would be pretty cool. That would be a John-like move though. I agree with you there. Kyrian says, Hawks Nest, you're not, if you're not looking away pom-poms, should really add some pom-poms to your swag uh, in the background. Ha ha ha. I probably should for those moments where people get on me for not being supportive enough of the team, <laughs> you know, where you root for this team or not, you know, one of those times. And I'll just grab the pom-poms and we go, way, see ya. Yay, see ya. Or just have, and get myself on a green screen waving some pom-poms. Brandon Jana, happy New Year 12s. Bummer game today, but much love to the fan base. To the future success of this franchise, go Hawks. Hey, go Hawks, man. Well said. Tommy says, my New Year's resolution is to cheer for our new head coach when John finds him or her. <laughs> uh, not Vexo, who do you think is winning the Super Bowl? I've got the Ravens. I've, I've been pretty firmly on the Ravens since we played them and we got a close-up view of what they could do. 
Um, they are so good across the board. Lamar's been able to stay healthy. He's expanded his game as a pocket passer, um, which makes him just about impossible to play now because you just can't root him into a box and know where he's going to be snapping and snap out. I, I think the Shane Andrews injury definitely hurts them because that's obviously his security blanket he likes to go to, but he's just playing so well at this point, and that defense is lights out. I think that's the best defense in the National Football League, and um, I think that they probably take it this year. That AFC has also kind of opened up a little bit easier for them. Ryan E says, go Hawks and take the Mariners with you. <laughs> Ran the cut. We all wore ours. Looks like I should have worn my power DK jersey. Well, we tried today, man. We tried. What are you going to do, you know? I think the Hawks says, Cripes, I have to subscribe to FUBU for a week free trial just to watch the Huskies game. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Ah, I feel you there. I always got to turn on my FUBU subscription to do the Hawks game every year. Just make sure I can catch all the Hawks, and I'm always a little bit like that too. Like, stupid TV, dumb, stupid, dumb, stupid TV. Tommy Eaton says, "Have you seen the Go Sports Broccoli Girl? That should be what you play when they say you're not into it enough. You've not seen that on YouTube. You won't regret it. I'll check it out after the stream. Uh, I'll check it out after the stream uh, today, Tommy. Sounds interesting. The Broccoli Girl, huh? Okay." I do have to have a reference here where folks, when folks do buy, we just be negative. <laughs> yeah. How about counter the points? Standard Champion says, counting on the Bird, Boo, Bird Brothers to send the Niners home crying. We'll have to see, man. The Niners team is going to be pretty darn good. But yeah, I think if the Niners team take on the Raven team in the Super Bowl, I think the Ravens will give it to them again. And there's something to it, too. If the Ravens get to the Super Bowl, I would put them, I don't care who the NFC opponent is, I'd put it as a 10 point favorite in that game. There's, there's something to playing Lamar and not playing him very often and just how hard he is to deal with on the open field. Randy Cuts says, yeah, I sub to Hulu Live TV and post falls to catch all the Seahawks games. Yeah. Got to do something every year. I was going to maybe do the YouTube thing, but I wasn't sure if that was going to work this year with the, the way that that thing goes. So I was just like, oh, we'll just lean on this and go with the FUBU thing, but I might do something different next year. Alex is in the FC. You got teams like the Bills and Browns or even Kansas City can beat any of them. Oh, it's a tough, it is still the tougher conference, Alex. I'll give you that. I just, I like Ravens get that first round by, play through the home. You're going to get some conditions out there in, in Baltimore in January. I, I kind of like where they're rolling. I really do like where they're rolling right now. So, uh, well, folks, let's go ahead and kind of put a, start to put a bit of a button here on the show tonight. If uh, you'd like, just get the last couple of questions on. And if you could, I think we're going to run this a little bit, little shorter than I might normally run on some of these shows. I'm going to be coming back at you guys tomorrow, uh, five o'clock, as we're going to be doing the Huskies play-by-play here on that playoff game, the Sugar Bowl, um, which is tomorrow night on New Year's. So uh, we will be bouncing back at that time. I'm going to try to kind of save my voice just a little bit. And uh, I still do need to do a post-game video uh, breakdown here of this game stuff as that's going to be to go through and do. But uh, let's get the last couple on in and uh, chop it up just a little bit here as we sort of wrap this one on up. Greg Camp, Brandon, have you looked at Landon Jackson or Christian Haynes, who uh, I've read plays right guard but could move to center? Uh, I have not on either of those guys either, man. But I will write them down and add them to my list. Um.
When it comes to right guard, I've looked at Zach Zinter, Tate Ratledge, Donovan Jackson, Brandon Coleman, Michael Jurgens, Christian Mahogany. In center, I've looked at Cedric Van Pram, Jackson Powers Johnson, Matt Lee, Zach Frazier, and Bryce Foster. Those have been the ones I've looked at right guard and, and center so far. But uh, I got those names down, man. I will definitely check out. Did I get that name in there? Christian, Christian Haynes. I'm going to start doing my deep dives on these guys here now. We're, and we're going to be doing, me and Brendan are going to be doing a mock in a couple of weeks. Brian, the uh, YouTube wants stupid money for the Sunday ticket. They can pack sand. Yeah, it does cost a decent amount. I will say versus the FUBU deal that that costs to run it for a year, it still is cheaper, I think. I just didn't trust the, the feed necessarily because they were having problems with that when they were testing it out. Bill Castle, does Michael Penix drop to the Hawks pick at number 15? I think so. I think Jaden Daniels is going to leap over the top of Michael Penix and become the third drafted quarterback. I think Penix is going to have some differ differentiation of opinion on him from NFL circles and the risk involved with taking him. I think he will probably fall to 15. I think he's picked inside the top 20 though. I don't know if Seattle would look to draft him, Phillip. I don't know if that's what they would want in their wheelhouse there on that one. Maybe. But I got a top 20 is where I've got Penix going. Brandon, the guy didn't see is real mediocre this season. Should have been our year. Should have been, man. Should have been. Brandon, the cat says, won't be there for the Husky stream. Cook fan. Ha ha. <laughs> I guess you or Snail won't be in there. <laughs> oh. Nick says, going to the game next week, we'll have to keep an eye on the Bears game. There we go. We'll represent out there in Arizona for the team. Well, agree, at least the Washington team is going to some type of bowl. Yeah, at least there's that. Brandon, Jan, any uh, Super Bowl predictions? I'm thinking Detroit 28-31 Baltimore. Lamar gets MVP in the ring. And Super Bowl MVP. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to go with the, the Niners getting back to the Super Bowl this year. I, I think that Detroit and uh, the Eagles are just not going to quite have enough. And I think that they, that the, the Cowboys, just as they showed earlier this year, just can't, it's a, they just don't seem to be a good, and last year in the playoffs, they just don't seem to be a good matchup for this 49er team. Uh, so I would go Ravens 49ers, and then I would take the Ravens to win the game. I like the Lions, but I just think that they just have too much. They're just not quite locked in yet. They're having a really good year, one of their better years they've had in recent memory, no doubt about that. And I think they're probably going to win a, a playoff game or two. But uh, I could see them kind of just sort of topping out at the conference championship. Alex Smith, Brandon, what about the quarterback from the Oklahoma Sooners? What grade do you got on him? So is he coming out for sure, Alex? I thought that that guy's still maybe a bit out, um, but I haven't looked at him. I've, uh, it's one of those things I've looked at. Uh, it's always funny. I can look at like 18 quarterbacks and there'll be somebody who mentions the one quarterback I haven't looked at that's through the thing. But um, 
this is the time of year right now. It's hard to do it in the year. It's, I, I've gotten through 100 names, which has put me far ahead of normally where I am in the process. But it's when you're running about 110 to 120 hour work weeks doing the, doing the Seahawks stuff and the hot content on a seven day a week basis during the season, it becomes almost an impossibility to deep dive into these guys to get to the 200 and 300 name mark at this point in the year at December 31st. So you guys, you got my word on this. We're a little bit early right now on jumping on some of these names. Give me a chance. Give me like a month now as I've got actually the time freed up to jump into these guys and, and I'll have arrived at all of your guys' names and gone on to it. But if, you're, if we're going to start going down the list, it's too early to start like pecking down. How about this guy? How about that guy? I just haven't had the time. It's, there's not enough hours sometimes in the day to go through all this to be able to, to, to do the evaluations, the scoutings, and the live streams, and the thumbnails, and the trials and descriptions. It's an incredible amount of like, just the days go by too fast sometimes. I would have loved to have been able to get more of these names built in but we're just a little bit early on on some of these guys. You guys are going not top-notch names. You guys are like grabbing out third and fourth round names here that you're presenting. That that's, that's a little bit deep into the evaluation I process. I get to where I can just kind of rip those off off the top of my head. I'm pretty good, but I don't know if I'm that good. Um, sorry, I'll take a look at that uh, Oklahoma quarter back at some point. I thought I had heard that that guy was going somewhere though. Um, and that's part of Alex why I sometimes hesitate on these quarterbacks now because some of them are going to play to their fifth year senior status. Some of them are going to play for eight years. Like this COVID year is giving these quarterbacks like they're going to play though they're 29 in college. So you have to like really wait to do the evaluation of them in my opinion until they've truly 100% declared and said, yeah, I'm out. I guess that's Dylan Gabriel you're talking about, right? So uh, I I've watched a little bit of him. It was okay. But I haven't done much of a, I'll try to do more of a deep dive on him. I'm, I'm going to have to get on my prospects. I know I'm going to start getting peppered with prospect questions, so I better get these guys evaluated quick. Better get it going. Alex would be happy if someone makes it to the playoffs to beat the Cowboys. I'd love to see that myself. Uh, Alex said, I'm not sure. Brandon, I think it's Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. He's got good size to him. Good, uh, real good mobility, I believe. Excellent mobility. Um, but I haven't done much of a, the deep dive on him. Sorry, man. It's just, I was going to try this year as much as ever to get into it, but I just end up every day is like you look at the clock and that's how the NFL season goes when you're doing this stuff. It's just you end up losing the whole, the whole fall just goes by in the blink of the eye. Like this season has been over with and it's like, whoa, whoa. Um, bu -bu 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 sign Noah Fant. I don't know if you're going to have the money dark joke to sign him at this point. You got $2 million of functional cap space. I think you're going to release Jamal, but I think a lot of that gets eaten up by trying to let it resign Leonard Williams and get some other help in some other places. I think he's going to cost you nine, 10 million a year to bring him back. It's possible. Uh, canine. I think we really need to resign canine. Well, fortunately enough, Rand, we don't have to face this decision quite yet. So we've got at least one more year, if not another year after that to, make that decision on whether or not the team decides to potentially sign him. What would be good is to actually get him a good offensive line to work with behind him so that we can actually make that determination about what kind of back he is, right? He's getting banged and smacked in the backfield on every carry. It gets sometimes damn hard to sort of understand the value of that back when your offensive line just can't seem to create any holes in the ground game. Great camp, Brandon. Can't wait for your opinion on Haynes. He's a power player like Bradford, but has good feet to move in space. And arm length concerns are what they are. Uh, they are saying uh, move to the center, and he has played a lot. I'll take a look at a man for sure. 
And center is certainly going to be one, I think, Greg, that's in play for a position that we look to attack. I think Oluwatimi is in the mix, but I don't think that the team just runs with Oluwatimi and goes, oh, okay, we don't, we're set. It's all good here. Nothing else left to be done. Uh, I think that there's still uh, a potential here to go and look at a center, especially in this draft, Greg, where on the, on the outside looking in, just off, off the beginning of this, Cedric Van Pram is probably better than any center that came out of last year's draft. Linderbaum might have him beat, or, or sorry, Schmitz. No, I think he's better than Schmitz. Uh, Jackson Powers Johnson, also a good player. We've got maybe some potential for this to be a decent center draft as well. Philip Castle says Plummer for Louise, Louisville. A guy named Plummer from Louisville. He is added to my list. I'll take a look at him, but I don't know that guy, man. Sorry. Uh, would uh, Justin Fields do well here, Kevin Klein asked. Kevin, I don't think that this is really a move the Hawks should look to make. Um, number one, if you move off of Geno Smith this year, which you would certainly look to be doing if you're going to go make the trade for Justin Fields, that's $17 million of dead money. And if you're looking to do that, then you need to know that you're substantially upgrading your quarterback position in a real tangible way. I'm not so sure that Justin Fields does that. So you've got the harm there. You've also got the part you got to give up a third round pick to go give him maybe even a second round pick to go get this guy. I don't like giving that up. Then you got the other part of it being that he's just about due to get paid. He's just about due for a contract. So you're not even getting then the cheap club controlled years of a rookie contract to make a determination. You get to play him one year. He has a good year and you got to go give the man $50 million. And I don't want to give any quarterback $50 million. So I can't sign up to the Justin Fields deal. I just don't see how... It adds up to making any sense or really helping this ball club up. Can't forget, if you're an anti-Geno folk, you can be an anti-Geno folk. I don't like Geno. Geno, I don't sign up for. I like me some Justin Fields. I like me some first-round quarterback. Well, the thing to consider is that, yes, you can move off from Geno and save money collectively, but you're still going to eat $17 million of dead money. And so if that's going to happen, you got to be sure that you're tangibly upgrading the position in a real meaningful way. Otherwise... You're just kind of still sort of doing the tread water thing, right? You're still coming out to an equivalency on the position and, and the cost of the position and all of that stuff. So I uh, just don't, it, it's been mentioned, it's asked quite a bit and, and it's definitely, Kevin, a hot item about Justin Fields coming to Seattle. I, I'm kind of surprised, but there are so many Hawk fans who love themselves the idea of Justin Fields, man. Justin, that's the answer. I, I can't see that being the answer and I just think that there's so many things there that just don't quite add up with it when you really boil all the parts and pieces down together on that one. On top of the fact that the Bears are, I mean, you know, trading him, which doesn't seem to, you know, bear out well for Justin's feelings, Fields being that kind of guy. Uh, Marcus B28, Brandon, you do 120 hours a week with your channel? I do indeed. I mean, just, just take this day for instance, Marcus. I start at one o'clock live streaming, right? And we do, it's a three and a half hour live stream for the game. Then it's a half hour live stream over there on the Bleacher Report. I take a half hour break, come back here. We usually do four, four and a half hours. As soon as this ends, I then record my post game stream or not my post game stream, but my post game reaction video. And that post game reaction video takes about six hours for me to put all of the assets together, all of the highlights people like, all of the stats that people like going to take me another six hours once that done. So it tends to be typically that I don't get to bed on a Monday until six or seven in the morning. So on the very first night of my week, that's a 15, 16 hour day on the very first night before we even get to any of the rest of the days of the week, I'm 15 hours in. And so, yeah, it's, it ends up eating somewhere in the neighborhood of about hundred to 120 hours a week is what the channel requires as far as time to put into it. And it's, there's a lot of thumbnails, titles, descriptions, tags, 
audio files to upload to here, right? All of the little things you got to get to get this right. Not say nothing of the editing and going live and everything else. And I love it. I do. But unfortunately, there's only 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. And uh, there's just so much you can do, you know, before you kind of top out a little bit. There's only so much, so much you can put in. Uh, and I'm Brandon Marcus. Brandon is Seahawks. Brandon, I, I got to make sure I'm being clear with this because there's some people that are getting me confused a lot right now with Brendan Nelson. I know we do the we do the shows. Brendan is Brendan. I am Brandon. So I have an A on my name. So I just want to get caught on that. And the only reason I want to do that, Marcus, is because sometimes I've been finding people getting confused where they start getting mad at me for Brendan's takes when they're actually mad really at Brendan about whatever his thing. So I just want to make sure that Brandon's Brandon, Brandon's Brandon. But uh, yes, that is what this uh, channel takes. Alex bringing back Brooks, if only commands a max of 11 million. And I can't do, I can't do Jordan Brooks back myself, Alex. I just can't. Uh, the issues with him in the secondary and coverage, um, you're paying $11 million for a run stuffing middle linebacker. I don't know. New Black says, I mean, Fields is going to have the same record as the Seahawks. Yeah. I, I just don't see him having any kind of real impact here. And it's, it's, this again speaks back to where our issues at his hands as it stands right now are not really at the quarterback position. That's not, I know that that's the place that people get really caught up on. And that's the, that's the, that's the, the sparkly, shiny object in the room to go pay attention to. But like the problem here on this team is not with the quarterback position. That's not the issue at hand. And so you can go, as I say on this a little bit, you can go and try to address symptoms, but it's, it's you know, you got to go to me to the root cause here of this, or we're really not going to make this any better. You can go get Justin, who might be more the new flashy toy out there that gets people excited because he looks super cool in the jersey. He's not Gino, but it's not going to make your team that much better because you're not addressing the real baseline issues that exist with this team. And that's the problem I have with looking at the quarterback is it's just, it's not the problem. It's not close to the problem. And there's a variety of other issues. Ran in the cut. I too want to attack the interior of the offensive line in this draft. And yeah, I think that's so you can get Geno in the, you get the most out of Geno and K9 if you do, I think, Ran. But that's my number one priority as well. How tall is Justin? It was a 6'1", 6'3", 6'2", 6'3". Ran the cut says, didn't we run Walker to the outside this game and it scored? It was kind of an outside. It wasn't really a pure outside zone run because it's going inside the shoulder of the tackle and outside the shoulder of the guard, which I, is technically a B-gap run, I believe. No, I'm wrong on that. C-gap. Kind of, yeah. We ran a pitch play in the game too. We just didn't lean on it a lot. We still stuck with the inside run mainly. Dark joke, Spencer Adler would be a good third or fourth round pick. I agree. I agree. 
Uh, Greg says, dang, Brandon, happy new year. Don't burn yourself out, man. Uh, well, I'm used to this. You know, I made the transition um, a year and a half ago to doing this full time. And once I did that, then it was a buying into this process and kind of what it took. So um, I don't mind doing it. I, 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 you guys reward me for the efforts with what we get as far as the support in this channel and allowing to put me in the position to be able to do this full time. And that's part of why I do this is you guys have, you know, done the goodwill aspect on your part to support the channel, the memberships, the Patreons, the donations. And so it's it's just a tit for tat thing from my perspective is that I want to return that favor on the other side of it. And uh, I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do, but I, I can't carve out more hours in the day. And unfortunately, it's just, um, I run into it now more, more often than ever where you just get kind of tapped up, especially getting a little bit older. I just can't, can't, got to get my moments here. You catch your breath. The Hawks, I did see Brendan Nelson in a paper bag. Uh, well, I didn't see him, but I've, I've heard about it a ton. Um, of course, Addicted Hawks, I'm doing the post-game discussion and the bleacher report and the play-by-play, -play, so I don't actually get a chance here when we're in the middle of Sunday to do any kind of viewing of anything. Um, I'm one after the other goes. So uh, I'll, I'll try to check it out here after the stream and see how, how he looks in the old paper bag. Dog watcher, I have Disneyland in my backyard down here, but still, oh, okay. Uh, Tom Edison says our run defense sucked even with Brooks out there. No thanks. That is his one special talent. Yeah, I just don't think he brings a lot to the table, especially when you talk about paying him that kind of money at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 million. And I think some team's going to probably pay him that. Uh, Philip Castle think Rattler has the character to be good uh, as well as well. Good catch. I don't know if that's a question. Marcus says, sorry, and thanks for the clarification on the names. Uh, you're working 120 hours a week is more remarkable than my insomnia we discussed a month ago. Salute. Well, it's not hard, man, when you love what you do. I mean, that's why they always say, you know, find something that you love to do and you'll never have to work another day in your life. And I love what I do. I, I love covering this team. I wish we had a bit of better result and some better returns to be able to, you know, come at you guys with this. But um, it tickles my creative bone. Um, I, I control it. I run my own thing. This is my shop. I don't got any boss over the top of me. And uh, that's been a freeing experience for me, Marcus, to be able to do that. So it's, it's in no way do I complain or in any way what I wanted to get across. It's, it's a hardship for me or a hard road I got to cross. This is a much easier road for me to cross a 120 hour week than some of you got to work those 40 hour weeks. You got to get up at eight in the morning and you're on somebody else's clock. Um, it's worth it for me to have the freedom that I do. But uh, yeah, it is, a, it is a lot. Uh, Barry Photo's wedding, 20 million in dead money cap and 6 million in savings if we cut them all pre-June 1st, 10 million in dead money and 16 and a half if we cut them. Yeah, he'll be a post-June 1st, Barry Photo's. So you'll save the 16 and a half million on this year's cap on Jamal. 100%. 100%. Band, 90, band since 92 says, we have to win and hope the Bears beat the Packers at Lambeau. They can pull it off. Dogwatch repeats running Walker up the middle. He's done it with every running back. It's the college mentality. Yeah, Pete doesn't like to run to the edges of the defense. Just not his way. He likes A and B gap runs. And you might get a couple of game of outside runs, but he is going to live, live in the middle of the offensive line in his ground attack. Here it works in the NFL. It works in college. You work in the NFL, right? Exactly. Exactly. Exacto mundo. 
All right, folks. Well, we will go ahead and I think put a bit of a button on this one at this point. I will be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll be streaming, actually, we might be streaming all throughout this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe, if I can get a show together going for Wednesday. So we'll be back tomorrow at five o'clock for the, uh, for the Husky game and the Sugar Bowl on. So I'll be streaming that. Then we'll be back for the B&B show. We'll do a post-mortem breakdown of this game, a final look at this past contest against the Steelers, and then uh, see about Wednesday, Thursday, where we'll be out. And of course, we'll do the BNB show on Thursday. The members only stream on Thursday. So we got a jam-packed schedule here for you guys this upcoming week as far as some broadcasting goes. But we will be back here tomorrow. I want to take one last opportunity to thank the sponsor of this show, Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy right now, you can utilize this code, which will be my code NEST, N-E-S-T, or click the top of the link in the description section below, and it will take you directly to the Underdog Fantasy site, where they will match you up to $100 of your first deposit up to $100. So $100 on me to you, and you support the channel at the same point in time. That's what we call a win-win-win. They've got a lot of contests ongoing throughout the rest of this year. Even still, one last week of fantasy football. Get your last little fantasy football tickling in here. Get a little bit of that last little bit in right now um, as you can draft a whole fresh team here for this final week of the season and go out there and win a little bit of money going up against head-to-head against some other fans. So they got some great stuff still going on. Even if it's not football, it may be into basketball, baseball, hockey. They've got a variety of sports on there, a variety of different contests to get into. But thank you to Underdog Fantasy for sponsoring the Hawks Nest throughout the course of this year as they have done. Uh, Dark Joe says, thank you for what you do and Happy New Year's. Hey, thank you to you as well, Dark Joke. I appreciate the discussion tonight. I know that this is not always the easiest of talks to have regarding sometimes more of the potentially kind of negative items I want to thank the chat, as you guys always seemingly are, at least a high majority of the time, everything was kept respectful and kind to one another in the chat. It's the place that I most want to see from this channel as much as anything else, because it will foster, I believe, the best type of discussion, the most open of discussion. And that's what we want to have here at the Hawks Nest above all else. So thank you guys, even on a day where I know many are emotional, many are in a, you know, we're all in a bit of a testy mood. It's been a bit of a tough season. Nobody's feeling great about things and where they're at, even if you are a big backer of Carol still. So I'm glad that we've been able to keep the discussion respectful, even when there has been disagreement. And I thank you for guys for valuing that here and understanding that when you do come in, I know there are places that like to lean into toxicity and let's just get all, but let's keep it irrespectful. Let's keep things in the way that they are, because this is what, well, I think eventually take this channel to where it can eventually go. It ain't me. It ain't me yapping away here. That's going to make this happen. It's the community that'll help to make this place what it can truly be. And, and uh, I thank you guys for being able to stay in that kind of place. It says that when you're in, when th- time, it's easy for everything to be in agreement when we're doing well and riding high and everybody's cooking and we're winning by 20 points. It's harder when there's some disjointed parts and some tough things to turn over on this team. And that's especially when you're going to get a lot of disagreement. But you guys have been, especially even for the past few weeks through the back half of the season, through amidst the five-game losing streak, You guys have managed to keep things very respectful amongst each other. And I really, really do appreciate that. Um, And it's really great to see from my fellow Seahawks 12s. Ran the cup, man. I want to run Walker outside though. I do too, man. Utilize him outside. You'll get more of Walker if you do at some point. Alex, uh, are the Bears going to keep Justin Fields, Brandon? He could become a good pocket passer like Lamar. I think the teams are going to, they've got the number one pick. Caleb Williams may or may not be a generational talent, but he's close to it by many of the NFL talent evaluators. Justin Fields, while he's had the flashes of good moments, and while he looks like he's starting to have the light bulb come on this year, has not yet thoroughly, I think, convinced the Chicago Chicago Bears team that he's the guy to buy in on. 
And as well, factoring in here, Alex, the fact that that rookie contract is starting to wear down, starts to become a little bit of that clock, you know, that stopwatch starts off as you now start to get into year four, year five of the rookie deal, where now you have to determine if you're going to pay for him or not. So you pass on Caleb Williams, let's say, you go for Marvin Harrison Jr., you come through the next year, you come to find that, you know, Justin Fields is really not that guy. You get to a middling record and you've missed out on your chance to go then draft a guy like Caleb Williams. So they're just not going to avoid that at this point. It doesn't mean Justin Fields is necessarily just purely bad, but it does mean that that's the move they're going to make. And they'll get what they can to recoup from value back from Justin. But I don't know if they get more than a third round pick either. I don't know where his his value is going to be at. But I don't think, no, I don't think uh, Fields is in the same realm as Lamar as a a scrambler. I think he's a top-notch, one of the better scrambling quarterbacks in the NFL, no doubt about that. But I think Lamar's got a different level of shiftiness and explosiveness to him that Fields doesn't have. Probably pretty similar arm talents. Happy New Year, everybody. You too, Philip. Dog Watcher, Happy New Year, Brandon. Thanks for the live cast. You're the man. Thank you, Dog Watcher. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you all checking it out tonight. Please do hit that like button if you could, guys, for me on the way out the door. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, Brandon, go party, man. We love you. Oh, no, I'm on to doing the post-game video now. So as soon as I finish up, I'm into post-game video stuff. So I don't mind. I'm, I'm chill today. I'm kind of just eased back. I'm not much of a partner now, man. I'm in my 40s. I'm, I'm hanging out, you know. Big Doc, salmon snacks for pumpkin and tall, cool one for Brandon at 223. Says goodbye. Hell yeah, let's go. Let's go. Philip Castle would be an even better reason to keep a solid O-line. Running inside has to be your guards. Yeah. If you're going to run in that place, then get some all pro light guards in there that can actually move guys off the line. Instead, Philip, we tend to go with guys that aren't even scheme fits, much less top-notch talents that can actually blow guys off the line. But that's, again, part of the stuff that's maddening with this team at times. You have a philosophy to do something, then you don't have the parts to get that philosophy done. But uh, that would be a good stance is addressing the guards, Philip, addressing the center position. I think your tackles are probably okay, depending on where Lucas is at with that chronic knee. But uh, you definitely need to get some guys that can move guys off the ball up front. Greg says, I want to see the Seahawks use K9 on a pitch plays, reverses, and having Charbonnet in the backfield with K9 motion on jet sweeps. That'd be a creative way to use him. I'd love to see that too, Greg. Certainly would challenge the defenses and how to play it at that point, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd like to see that too. I think they've given him one before, Greg, the fly sweep to K9. I think he had a pretty good run with it, like nine or 10 yards. But I don't know if they have gone back to it. Big Docs, fingers crossed. Huskies put their brand on those Longhorns tomorrow. Sorry, binge watched Yellowstone last week. I got to watch that show eventually. I've been kind of waiting to jump into it, but uh, I've, I've been holding off for a bit. It's about time. Jump into Yellowstone. Jump in the Yellowstone. See what the Huskies can do. Well, folks, I will be back tomorrow, 5 o'clock. We'll be doing the live stream show here of the Huskies and the Texas Longhorns going at it in the Sugar Bowl. 
I thank you guys for uh, watching today. Thank you for hitting that like button. Thank you for subscribing up. We passed 14,800 subscribers. So we are right in line here to try to get to 15,000 before the end of the year. So if you're not subscribed up, please do get subscribed up as you'll help me get to and reach that goal as it would be wonderful to hit that 15,000 mark this year, here before the end of February, which is uh, what we're trying to do. So um, thank you guys for watching today. I've had a great time with you, even if the results haven't been quite as good. Turn this forward this next week. Hawks are not completely out of it as of yet. We're going to need some help. We're going to need to beat a real tough Cardinal team that just took down this Eagle team today. But they're in it. They're fighting. And you never know. Maybe we got a little bit of that season-ending magic we had from last year can drip on over into this season, okay? You know, you need a Green Bay to lose last year to get in the playoffs. You need them to lose again this year to get in the playoffs. If it's happened once, then maybe history can repeat itself another time this week. So. A little bit of faith left. Maybe not a lot of confidence in a lot of different parts on this team, but with the faith, oh yeah, I know it's still there with you and my fellow Seahawks faithful. So my fellow, my fellow faithful, please do not ever forget. Don't you ever forget now. Please don't. Even after a tough loss like this, even after a lot of ups and downs in a season like this, keep that faith. Know there'll be brighter days ahead. We'll find a way to turn this forward. But don't you ever forget. Please don't ever forget.